That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bald Face Truth. I am Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. I am with Judah Newby as well, as always. And today, Friday, kind of a sneaky news day. A lot of sneaky news going on today. NBA free agency just starting right now. Teams will be starting to make deals soon. The Blazers, they made a move, slight move, minor move, but does it mean more? They announced their summer league roster, Pac-12, or should I say maybe the Pac-10? I don't know. There's some news about those teams ahead. ESPN laying off people. I might be getting my resume ready to go to uh, be a cheap, some cheap talent at ESPN. They're laying off a lot of people, but a lot of news going on today. Actually, on a Friday, Friday news dump. It's come today. We're filling in for John. He'll be back next week. But I do want to start off with the uh, the BFT golf tournament. It was the ninth annual Bald Face Truth Golf Tournament at the Reserve in Aloha, and it was. It was just a great time. You know, great day, beautiful weather, a lot of celebrities out there doing their part to help out the community. And, you know, as a person who, this was my first time being out there yesterday. It was my first time out there to be a part of the actual tournament the year before I was back in studio, you know, to see to see the impact that the celebrities make and, you know, the sponsors that they make for the youth in the area. It's just so good to see. And, you know, it, it's nice to see in this day and age, people really looking out for one another and helping out other people because we don't see that very often. All we see is a lot of hate. We see a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth fighting. But yesterday it was really just a day we all get together. We celebrate the youth of the area and helping them out, you know, helping them out with sports and, you know, because sports is, is very important. It's very important in our landscape. It's very important to me. It's very important to all of you. And that's why you're tuned into a sports station right now. And I think we all know, like, we all root for a team. And that love also probably came from, you know, when you were a kid and you played sports yourself or just you as a kid watching sports. And I think right now, you know, the Bald Face Truth Foundation, they're just helping out the youth as much as they can, doing great things. And uh, it all culminated yesterday with the uh, BFT Golf Tournament down at the reserve. It was great. Me and Judah were down there talking to a lot of celebrities. We learned a lot of things, uh, celebrities from all around, and it was great. Uh, so let's pop Judah on now. And Judah, you know, you've been a part of it for so long. You know, how was uh, how how do you just think about the golf tournament just in general? You know, day after the recap, how you always feel about it? Because it's always just a fun thing to uh, you know get people together and celebrate. Uh, the goodness in people's hearts. Yeah, and uh, from a radio standpoint, the moment that I enjoyed the most was we were talking to Jim Etzel, CEO of Sport Oregon, about all the news of the day and the uh, MLB to PDX news, 
Gonzano reported, and halfway through, Scott Ruick sits down next to him, and we start talking Beaver women's basketball, and that just kind of encapsulates the um, the caliber of uh, celebrity that's out there, and just like, hey, there's a lot of people that have something to say and, and have unique perspective and insight. How often do you get that number of celebrities with that variety of backgrounds and that stature all in one place with uh, headsets and microphones around, so... That's what made it a lot of fun. Catching up with uh, Mark Wazikowski off the 18th green was a lot of fun too. And uh, but the best, uh, my favorite interview was probably Dale Scott and Jim Joyce coming on together, the longtime former umpires in the big leagues. And we just shared baseball stories for like 25 minutes. And that, uh, baseball stories are great. They're 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 great with their quality and their timelessness. And they. You know, uh, both those guys had a lot to say and uh, fun, fun memories from their careers behind the plate. So that was a that was a highlight. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, baseball stories are one of those things. It's like it doesn't even you know, baseball is not my favorite sport. Like I, I love basketball. I'm more of a basketball guy, but I do love baseball. I have nostalgia for baseball. Growing up, I played it, and I can just name off random players from random years back in the '90s and the 2000s. It's just so fun to do that and so to hear those type of stories. You know, Jim Joyce saying he was the first person to ever throw out Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, that's just something that, like, he can hold his head high and say, you know what? I threw out the kid. I threw him out, and he deserved it. And, and you know, you all laugh about it now, and it's just a good time. But it, it's just so good uh, to hear those type of stories. It's so much fun. And, uh, you know, him and Dale Scott as well. Dale Scott talking about Sparky Anderson. You know, get right in his face and spitting on him, and it's all brown. And he's like, well, why are you spitting tobacco on me? Well, you know, the Tigers say he's he stopped chewing. So what is what is his problem? But uh, it, that was a great interview. Uh, the interview with Miss Oregon USA, Manju Bangalore. I mean, she was awesome. She is a very talented woman that is doing a lot of stuff. Made me feel uh, very insignificant with the stuff I do. Uh, you know, being an astronaut uh, Miss Oregon, USA, writing books, doing all sorts of things. She was awesome. You know, you talk about Jim Edsel. He was awesome as well. Uh, Fred Trier as well, telling great stories. Fred about, was great. Telling great stories. Yeah. It's just the the range of all the stories that you hear yesterday, Jude, is just so good and so much fun. And the golf was pretty good, too. You know, and our very own uh, Team Alpha allegedly won the thing. Allegedly. At, at 20 under. So, you know, it's I mean, all about we, who wins. Can we confirm that? I mean, I don't No yeah. idea. No idea. I did. I did talk to multiple golfers out there that uh, said, "Hey, uh, you know, there's some f- funny business going on out there." And I'm like, "Well, it's all for a good cause, so just have fun." It is all. For Thanks fun, for being out here. But at the same time, it's also for uh, for bragging rights. Oh, for sure. Because you know, we, we talked to Shante Lagan. We tried to talk to him at the turn, and he's like, "No, no, I can't. We, we're too focused right now. My group needs me. Uh, <laughs> we're behind a little bit." He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't talk. And it's just it's just a funny time, you know. Like I said this yesterday, the competitiveness that people have. It's what I love about sports, right? Like you just love the competitive nature that sports is. And it's one of those things that it's why we're all attracted to sports. You choose a team and you have a favorite team and you want them to win. You want them to go out. And then you see everybody do this in golf. Like this is all for charity. And they're like, no, like we want to win. Like we're not, we're not, we're not going out to lose. We're not, if we're going to play, we're going to go hard. And it's just so fun to see that kind of stuff fly out. Uh, in its face. I will say for for uh, you know point for Team Alpha, they were playing with the uh, celebrity Casey Kloss, who uh, a good good friend of mine, and love seeing Casey out there. Rob Kloss's kid, and he can stripe the thing. 
And his short game's ridiculous. So I would not be surprised if they actually uh, did come out on top. And uh, sources within Team Alpha are telling me that we 1,000% won the thing. Uh, and they're all being deferential, giving uh, giving one another credit for, for making it happen. But we had some of the big wigs from Alpha playing in that group, and then Casey out there playing too. So I believe it. I believe it. It's just 20 is a big number, but I believe uh, that they got there. I think they may have eagled something late because I remember they were 18 and <laughs> – and uh, they were 18 under going into one of their last holes, and all of a sudden jumped to 20. I'm like, okay, good good for you guys. Out of, Just out so happened to win. Yeah, out of nowhere. But I'll take it. A parent company, that's hey, awesome. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, representing. Re- represent. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to cheating a little bit if you win. You know, yeah. you, you got to push the envelope a little bit. We know that, you know, as, uh, you know, whether you're a Duck fan or a Beaver fan or a Blazer fan, like, yeah, you don't want to do it cheating, but if you do and you win, nobody's going to care, well, right? USC, they won national championships with Reggie Bush. Does anybody care that he took money? No, nobody cares. They still won the national title. <laughs> and they still, you know, were fundraising for kids along the way. Right, exactly. Just, just like we are. They raised money for everybody. They're, for they're winning titles. I mean, who cares? Barry Bonds, he took steroids for every other biggest head in the world. He's, he still holds the home did run Did you record. see that Barry Bonds is in, uh, he's doing jiu-jitsu now. I did. You told me about this. I looked it up. Well, I, I'm thinking about Barry Bonds because we're watching the old school uh, all-Star game in Seattle when Barry Bonds was, uh, was in that game. In Seattle. Oh, is that on TV? It's on, it's on right now. I just saw him up to bat in the first inning. Uh, Roger Clemens got him out. But it just reminded me, of, you know, just thinking of that and watching the jiu-jitsu video, Barry Bonds, how good he was. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this. Just It's just amazing how good he was back in the day. But he looks great. Yeah, go check out the jiu-jitsu video of Barry Bonds. He got a uh, – what belt? What belt? It's like – Blue, blue belt, maybe. I don't Purple? know. Something like that. He got some type of belt. That's uh, I don't very know how the belts work in jujitsu, but I don't know how any of the belts work in anything except for championship belts, wrestling, tag team, intercontinental. But you lost me. Yeah, you're not a wrestling guy, but no. yeah, Barry Bonds looks great. I'd say that. Blue sure. belt, blue belt. Yeah, he got the blue belt. He looks great though for how old he is. How old is he? I don't know, but I feel like he could still go out and bang you 15 homers. Uh, he could still go out right now and have an on-base percentage of like 6,000. 6, Barry, Barry Bond's stats are uh, – he's 58. It's, he's 58, by the way. That's ridiculous. I don't know. That. Uh, maybe I'll take that back. Maybe he can't that. hit 15 homers. But his stats are amazing back in the day. Do you like, think he could hit 15 homers off a tee right now? Off a tee? Yeah. Or does he need that velo? I think he could pop it out. <laughs> he was a great athlete. Short porch at Yankee Stadium? Sure. Oh, for sure. For sure, I think I could polo grounds, polo grounds, two eighty to the side, to the pole. It's not a real home run unless you hit oppo. <laughs> that's that's my take. Well, that's the uh, back in the day. You know, we my friend he had a wiffle ball field in the backyard of his house, and it was a short porch to right. And so, since me as a lefty, he the, the rule was I couldn't hit it right to the right field. I had to go opposite. Off a field. Nice. Maybe made, made me so mad. I'm like, that's not fair. Just because I'm left-handed and you're not doesn't mean you need to make separate rules for me. Well, that reminds me. For for those of you in the uh, Tigard area, you probably know this, but Tigard High School's uh, varsity baseball field, at, at least when I was playing, I played at McMinnville, but when I was playing, their baseball field was on their football field pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And so it was basically like 550 feet to left center <laughs> and dead center. Barely anybody could hit it out there. But the, you know, down the right field line was only like 250 feet, maybe, because the football stands were right there. And I did not have any power, but I got one, and I had home run distance down the right field line going opposite field, and it was foul. 
but I almost that was that would have been my only home run in varsity baseball was at Tigard. I was this close and it just went foul. I want to see the instant replay because I think I hit it over the foul pole and, and got, actually got a fair, but they ruled it a foul ball. But that close from an opposite field home run because it's only like two forty, two fifty down the line. Did you ever? Uh, Thanks for that, Tiger. Hit like the hit the foul pole. I never hit the foul. That pole, was no. that was my dream. I did it. I would love to. <laughs> as a, as a senior, first practice. Because I came in late because I was playing basketball. So the first practice back practice, I hit one off the foul pole opposite field. And I just, I wasn't into baseball anymore. Like I was just <laughs> done with it. I think I literally quit the next day and did track after that. But it was like, it was like the one thing I had to do before I stopped playing baseball was hit the foul pole. And I finally did it. And I'm like, all right, I did everything I can. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you, you were, you were a Putnam guy. Putnam guy. Yeah. I have fond memories of Putnam baseball field. Hopefully it's in better shape than it was when I played on it. I'm sure it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, yeah, just, again, Bald Face Truth Foundation, just such a good thing. Always check that out. Always check it, uh, you know, check into the golf tournament when you can. Uh, Camp Exceptionals coming up in a, uh, very soon, actually, mm. uh, a couple weeks for, you know, for all the little kiddos. I know I, uh, I signed my kiddos up. They're going to be going. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, so hopefully, you know, if you're out there, I'll see you out there for a little bit. Watch the, watch the kids play some sports and do some things. It'll be, uh, it'll be a good time. I believe it is July 24th through 28th at LaSalle High School in yeah. Milwaukee. And you can find more information on that at campexceptional.com. Yeah, I know it's uh, 9 to noon, I believe, is when they are. So just let you know, Judah, those days I'll be uh, coming a little bit later to Got the it. office. Thank uh, you. Just, you know, heads up, heads up on that. Uh, <laughs> NBA free agency. Let's, let's just kick it off there then. Uh, Free agency started at 3 o'clock. There's been a lot of news. Did you see the breaking news? A lot of news and notes here. Uh, some Blazer stuff as well. There I, is wh- some Blazers news, but there is breaking news from Shams already. I will give it to me then. Draymond. Going back to Golden State. It was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really fun while it lasted that Draymond was coming to the Portland Trailblazers. But yeah, Draymond Green, four years, $100 million, taking a pay cut a little bit there. 25 a year. 25 a year. And I he mean. turned down his 27.5 player option, and he's coming back for 25 a year to to keep playing with Golden State. All that talk of uh, El Gaucho being rented out. I what? heard that that's where they agreed the deal to. Rich Paul, Draymond Green, and the and Mike Dunleavy Jr. They met at El Gaucho, out in, Portland. El Gaucho. in Portland. Yeah, <laughs> they they flew up here. Yo, Dunleavy, he's got Portland ties, so yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Jesuit. Yeah, there you go. Why why not? Just come back up to Portland, make the deal. But uh, yeah, so that that pipe dream is done for the Blazers to get Draymond Green because you know, we talked about this a little bit, Judah. But you know, I didn't think it was really realistic for Draymond to come to Portland. But it would have been a great fit. Like, on the court, it's what the Blazers need is a guy who can play some defense, a guy who can handle the basketball and can facilitate to others. It would take the ball out of Dame's hands so he doesn't have to be the guy every single play. But that's not going to happen. So it looks like the Blazers are on to plan B of uh, what they're going to try to do to surround a team around Dame if that is, in fact, the deal. And that's, in fact, the plan that they're going forward is uh, something else. Could Draymond going back to Golden State also the Trailblazers did lose their backup center, Drew Eubanks. He signs with the Phoenix Suns on a two-year deal. Really? Uh, yeah, he did. According to Shams, this has just been out a couple minutes now. Yeah, Drew Eubanks signed a two-year deal with the Suns, player option in the second year. So Drew Eubanks had a nice two-year run here in Portland. He's now with Phoenix, who will be competing for a title. And uh, Phoenix is one of those teams, Judah, that they just need dudes that can play. I think it's a good you know, good spot for him. You know, All he's got to do is focus on rebounding, playing some defense, which – Defensively, he's not great. I think Phoenix will find that out. Like he, he goes for a lot of block shots and he gets out of position that way. But for him, I think it's great. He's going to be in a chance to play in the playoffs. He's going to be a chance to compete on a really good team. I'm happy for Drew Eubanks because uh, you know he's had a, he's had a run where coming out of Oregon State, undrafted, going to the Spurs, 
Rocky Road, traded to Toronto, waived by them, comes to Portland, has a nice run here, and now he's going to Phoenix. He's going to have a chance to really compete for a title. I remember calling some of his games at Reynolds uh, in the Les Schwab Invitational and just thinking, man, like, I, I can't name a lot of great Reynolds uh, you know, basketball players that made it to the NBA. I don't know how long or short that list is, but it was really fun seeing him develop and start to thrive and um, you know, I remember, uh, I think one of uh, his girlfriend, I think went to Oregon state and like, uh, and, and they, you know, still together to San Antonio back here to Portland. So for him to thrive back here with the trailblazers was a lot of fun to see. And I'm glad that he's capitalizing on it. What were the numbers again with Phoenix? It was two years and uh, 10. It hasn't, hasn't come out yet. Okay. Uh, just two year deal player option for the second season for, uh, according to Sean. Look, that's a hell of a chance to get a ring. You know, and uh, with Frank Vogel, you know, being there to coach him up to on on the defensive end of the floor, and that's great leadership. And now playing with KD, Book, and and Beal, and they still got to fill out the rest of that roster with probably a lot of Drew Drew Banks type of players at other positions. They they also just went out and they got uh, Kade Bates Diop from the San Antonio, I believe, two years, like $5 million. Like he's those type of players they're going to get as to be the backups, but. Drew Eubanks has a chance to play, and potentially, hmm. if they trade DeAndre Ayton, I, I dare I say start as a starting center. Like I don't think that's going to happen because they have DeAndre Ayton that they could trade away for other pieces if they want to really try to you know improve their depth. And I think Eubanks is the backup center right now in Phoenix. You know they had Bismack Biombo, they had Jock Landell, but it looks like they won't be bringing Landell back now that they brought in uh, Drew Eubanks. So you know good for him. But I think that also uh, alerts you to Portland then because Portland. You know, while Drew Eubanks was a great felon for Portland, now you know there's a there's another big guy on the Trailblazers that's gone. And I mean, the Blazers already lacked a lot of a lot of depth on the front line. There, those big guys they they have none. It's Nurk, and that's about it. Now they had Drew Eubanks, he's gone. Portland hasn't made any deals yet, but uh, seems like uh, they're gonna have to do something. And they need they need some they need some height. I mean, do we even sure. have a center right now? It's Nurk, and that's it. Besides Nurk, yeah, that's it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they got John Butler Jr. and uh, Ibu Baji, who's going to be on the summer league team. But uh, NBA free agency just starting out. Going to be exciting here as deals will be popping in and out all day long. We'll keep you covered here, uh, of course, on the Ball Face Truth. Of course, when the Blazers do anything big, but when there's other breaking news as well, we will cover that as well. Uh, you know, I want to go back to the uh, the Ball Face Truth golf tournament real quick here, Judah. You know, you talked about uh, Jim Joyce, Dale Scott, and your favorite stories. What uh, do you have like a favorite story of all time, or like a favorite guest of all time from that tournament? Because you know, last year, this, this yesterday, you said it was the umpires. Is there like one that really stands out? Because of course, I've only been here for you know a year and been with part of two of them, but I didn't really know what to expect the first year, so I kind of don't really remember anything from the first year. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, what, uh, what, is there anything that really stands out the last two years or not two years, but last yeah. years for you? Boy, I, you know, and some, a lot of the, you know, celebrity golfers are pretty consistent there. I've always, you know, I've got a soft spot for Neil Lomax as a, as a friend of mine. I know we didn't talk to him yesterday, but whenever he pops on and talking uh, NFL stories is a lot of fun. And that guy's a college football hall of famer. He threw seven touchdowns in a quarter once. So <laughs> to get those kind of stories is, uh, is always great. I will say there was one year that Lloyd Neal was playing. Long, uh, the former Blazer, you know, was on the the championship team as well, and um, you know he was in the Walton documentary recently that I loved. I loved every minute of the Walton documentary on ESPN Plus, and uh, I thought that was really real, uh, really well done. And Lloyd was just he's so low key when he's out there, but I just got to. It wasn't even on the radio actually. I was just kind of riding along with him in his cart one 
one uh, tournament and just to just spend some time with them and just make some small talk I thought was was really fun um, and really enjoyed that. I'm pretty sure like Rob Mullins has come out uh, before. I know um, I know uh, Scott Barnes has come out before. So, so some of the guys with muscle at Oregon and Oregon State have been a lot of fun to talk to and interact with. Um, and uh, some guys with the Timbers have, have played in the tournament as well. So I just like the variety and you know because you got your five or six staples. And then you got, you know, some, uh, you know, variety pieces all throughout. But each and every year as well, the interview with Miss Oregon is always memorable, too, because it doesn't matter who it is every year. They're always super impressive. Very impressive. And they always, you know, make you feel like you're not doing much with your life. I, I, the, thing I, <laughs> the thing I love is, uh, you know, when you meet these celebrities, whether it's on air or off there, they're as nice as you think they are. Like, they come across so nice and genuine on the air. But when you're talking to them off the air as well, like they that's the way they come across as well. Like they're real people and they come across that way. And I think you know, you're not gonna get that with all athletes and all celebrities, but I think when it comes to this tournament and the things that John does, you know, John he when he breaks news, it's because he knows it's true, right? Like he's all about, you know, authenticity and being real and having all the facts. And I think anybody that wants to be associated with him and his golf tournament, they know like you have to be real. You have to have some you know, outstanding part of your, you know, of your life. Like you can't just be a low life and be in this tournament. Like you're going to get the highest of highest people and the best people. And it really comes across that way. That's what I came across with. Like this was just a, you know, it was a real elite event. I thought like, it's mm. just the bald face truth foundation does, does knows how to do it right. And they know how to raise some money and they're doing it all for good. But then all the celebrities come in and they're all just so nice. And they all just actually care about people. And I think that's the best thing. And, you know, that's what you get when you listen to this program. When John's on, is just you know you get the right information. You get it, you know, in a good way. Like you know, it's not you know just to, to say to because he's not saying it just to say it. He's saying it because he knows it's true. And I think that you don't get that a lot of times with a lot of people, especially in sports. That's also true, and uh, it it goes nicely with all the uh, expansion and realignment news, rumors, fake news, fake news, uh, fake reporters, fake accounts, real accounts saying fake things. You never know anymore with what what's legit or not, and that includes today uh, with with some of the breaking news uh, going on with a certain school in the Mountain West. Definitely, and there is a lot more breaking news. We'll cover it all today. Free agency, Pac-12 news, ESPN last. We got it all. We'll do. We'll cover it all for you here today. Uh, Bald face truth to John Canzano. John out today. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Bald face truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Judy Newby with me as well. Free agency in the NBA has started, and it has started off with a bang. Draymond Green is returning to the Warriors. Four years, $100 million. Bruce Brown, one of the heroes for the Denver Nuggets, two years, $45 million to the Indiana Pacers. That was a guy. Those are two guys that Portland fans, I saw some Trailblazer fans think, hey, maybe uh, maybe we can get those guys. Uh, no, a little too expensive for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, but the Blazers have made a couple moves today. Uh, the big one just went down right now. Uh, Ramona Shelburne, Shams, uh, Woj has all reported it now, I believe. Jeremy Grant, he is going to be back with the Trailblazers. He resigns with Portland five years, $160 million. That's $32 million a season for Jeremy Grant. Uh, he gets his bag Jeremy Grant had a nice year at the start of last season. I would say the first half of the season, he was really good. Second half of the season fell off a little bit, but had a nice overall season, 20 and a half points, 
four and a half rebounds per game. He shot a career high 40% from three point range while making two and a half per game. You know, a solid player, Jeremy Grant is. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily a great player, but he fit with Portland last season really well. 32 million seems a little too much for me. Um, that's just that's just my opinion. Uh, and, and here's some reason why. I have some stats on Jeremy Grant. Um, before the All-Star break last year, Judah, he's not known as being like a great finisher as well. Like that's just not what he does. Um, zero to three feet within within zero to three feet. So right at the rim, Jeremy Grant, he was in the 160th in the NBA last season. 67.6%. Uh, his layups and dunks before the All-Star break, 62% last year. Before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, 49%. So it really fell off after the year. And you, you wanted you is that a question of is he being relied on too much by Portland? One of those things. But um, you know, Jeremy Grant, three to ten feet, you know, so in the paint in the in the painted area, forty two and a half percent. That's 145th in the NBA. He's not a great finisher around the rim, but he can shoot the basketball, doesn't rebound well. You know, if you're Dame, Dame is the guy that wanted Jeremy Grant with Portland. He got him. He's returning for uh thirty two million a year. He's a fine player, just seems like a lot of money. Uh, for for Jeremy Grant. But I think that signals that Joe Cronin actually is maybe trying to bring some players in, right? I, I don't think that they give Jeremy Grant a five-year deal if they're not really entertaining, improving the roster and trying to keep Dame. Is that, what's your read on this with the Jeremy Grant news? Is it, the, is it that Joe Cronin actually wants to bring guys back and build around Dame, or is it just you can't lose an asset for nothing, right? Like That, that is a thought in the NBA where if you have an asset that's actually good and a good player, you can't lose him for nothing. And Jeremy Grant, they traded you know, a late first-round pick for him. He does have value around the league. You don't want to lose him for nothing. You always trade him. Is it one of those things where they just don't want to lose the asset, or does this signal a change where you know maybe they are really going to try to build around Dame? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both because uh, the Trailblazers live in a world of a little bit of both, a little bit of building around Dame while a little bit of building for the future. $32 million, that's what Jordan Poole is going to make uh, with Washington Wizards next year. It's right about where Brandon Ingram is with New Orleans, where Bam is with Miami. Bam's at 32-6. Uh, Jason Tatum. And obviously these guys are about to come up for market soon and sign big deals themselves, maybe capitalizing on even a higher salary but cap with the, the new media deal. But he's not that player. It's De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell. These are guys that are at 32.6. Draymond Green is, just signed $25 million a year. Like yeah. He is a much better player than Jeremy Green. Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Jordan Poole, who just got paid, and now Jeremy Grant at 32. So... That's kind of the the range of guys that he's being valued in at the same time. And I think Poole is the interesting one. Who do you think has more value right now to an NBA roster, Jordan Poole or Jeremy Grant? Because they're both going to be making the same number. I mean, I guess Jeremy Grant because he's taller and can shoot a little better. Like Poole had a bad year last year, and then he really fell apart in the playoffs where he was unplayable, uh, you know, for, against the Lakers. And, you know, against the Kings and the Lakers, he was unplayable at times. So I think Jeremy Grant has a little more value for that reason. Even though Poole is a little bit younger, but I don't know, man. 30, 32 million a year for a guy who isn't a great on ball defender. Like Chauncey Billups tried to make him the on ball stopper last season. And you saw this a lot of times in the first half of the year when the Blazers were trying to win. 
Jeremy Grant was guarding the point guard, or he was dry, he was guarding the best wing, best guard on the other team, and it didn't work because he just couldn't fight through screens very well. He couldn't stay in front of guys, and it's not his fault. That's just not his best position as a defender. He's a really good help side defender. He can protect the rim a little bit. He can get in the passing lanes really well, and really good help defender, but on-ball defense is not his thing. That's what he was you know, tasked to do. If that's, you know, I don't imagine they're going to do that this season, knowing what happened last year, but 32 million for a guy who's not really a lockdown defender is a guy who's not a go-to scorer. Like he doesn't facilitate for others. He can shoot the basketball pretty well, but that's about it. He can attack the rim a little bit. He can knock down free throws. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of money for Jeremy Grant and it's five years by the end of that contract. It just seems like it's going to be not a great contract for the Portland Trailblazers, but to me, Judah, it really signals that the Blazers are trying to make Dame happy because we do know that, you know, it wasn't a secret. It was the worst kept secret in all of sports. Dame wanted Jeremy Grant and no he question. got him. He yeah. got him to Portland and they played with each other on Team USA. He wanted him there. So to me, it does signal that Jeremy Grant coming back to the Blazers is Joe Cronin still trying to reach out to Dame and say, you know what, Dame? You know, I told you we're going to try to build something. We'll see what happens, you know, the next move after move. This is the fifth team he's been on. He spent time with Oklahoma City, Philly, Detroit, Denver, and obviously now Portland and just spent one year in Portland, played 63 games, averaged almost 36 minutes a game. I think he signals a little bit of stability, right? It's a plug-and-play guy in your starting lineup, which you want. It's going to pacify Damian Lillard, which, you know, you also want that as well. And in theory, Stephen, you're getting him still at the prime of his career, age 29 through 34 seasons, which... You know, you hope that he still has the level of production consistency and staying on the court. I mean, I'm looking at his games played year, you know, year over year, and there's uh, there's really not a season that he missed like a, a ton of time other than his last season in Detroit uh, before he got dealt to Portland, and that could have been part of it. He only played 47 games. Um, but, you know, between all that and in his 20s, he's played at least two-thirds of the season just about every season. Yeah, and uh, you know, here's the it's, you know thinking about Joe Cronin and all the moves that he's made. I I think for the most part, like I like Joe Cronin. I think he's done. I, th- I think he's done some good moves in a vacuum. I love the draft picks. Right, it was a great picks. I think last season when he acquired Jeremy Grant for the first round pick, when he traded away Josh Hart and got a first round pick back for him, I think those moves were good. Like I think those were good actual moves. This is one of the first moves that I've looked at. You know, Joe Cronin that he's made and said, you know, this is kind of this is a big overpay. What was what would be a better number? I mean, considering you said Draymond, but Draymond certainly took less than he could have made on the open market. So it's a tough comparison in a way. It's tough, but at the same time, like if you're Portland, you got and that's the problem. And I've said this since they got Jeremy Grant is Jeremy Grant has hold all held all the leverage. Like, what is Portland gonna do? Lose right. him for nothing? Like they had to bring him back and they had to pay him at a really high number. And thirty-two million is just—it's just a lot of money, man. It's just a lot of money to pay a guy who can he be your third best player and be on a championship team or even be on a team that contends? Like you, we all say, Dame just wants a shot to win. Well, if Jeremy Grant is your third best player. Is that a team that really that can even contend or compete or have a shot? I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's that good. The best re- return on investment scenario of Jeremy Grant as a ceiling of that is what? Like, he's not going to make an all-star team, is he? I mean, no. he, he played for the U.S., you know, in the Olympics. That's probably the ceiling of what he what he can do on a on a big stage, helped him win a gold medal, uh, went to FIBA World Cup as well in 2021. But, I mean, how much higher can he 
can he grow? I mean, or is he already at his I think, ceiling I think at, he's at age his 29? Peak. I think this past season was the best season you could expect out of him. 20 points, four rebounds, shoot 40% for three. And that wins. was in a year where, you know, we were trying to lose games by the end of it. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a good year. Like, I'm not saying he had a bad year by any stretch, but, you know, a lot of it was in the first couple months of the season, he was awesome, and then he fell off. And that's what I worry about is that he had a really hot start to the season, and we fell in love with it, you know, October, November, you know, in November, he averaged 25 points a game and he shot almost 50% from three in 15 games. And then the next month he averaged 21 and a half points per game and he shoots 37%, shoots 50% from the field in December. Then after that, he, you know, he kind of really falls off in the month of January, February, March, where, you know, he's, he's below, uh, you know, below 50% shooting from the field. He's at about 35% from three. Like that's just the part that it does. It scares me a little bit that maybe we fell in love a little too much with Jeremy Grant at the start of the season. I mean, 37% after the All-Star break in nine games, he shot 40% from three before to the All-Star break. Like, he was so much better at the start of the year. We fell in love with it, and we thought, okay, well, this could work, and then everyone got hurt, and then they benched him, and it just didn't well, work. And that's for that reason why I don't know that the second half of the year is worth, you know, saying, like extrapolating from. The psychology of getting a brand-new deal and getting that security, though, that does play into it a little bit. Now that he's already got his bag and there's not as much incentive for, you know, playing outstanding basketball and increasing your price point and everything, I do wonder, post-contract, does Jeremy Grant live up to that pre-All-Star break numbers? Uh, but you mentioned it earlier. I mean, he had the leverage. Grant had the leverage. Dame wanted him to stay. The Blazers, it, imagine a scenario in which Jeremy Grant got out of Portland. I mean the the Dame yeah. Dame would be tweeting cryptic stuff like right right now. That and the other thing, like this deal has probably been, you know, agreed upon for a long, long time. Yeah. And hasn't it been kind of understood that Portland and, and Grant and Rich Paul, they've kind of had this understanding that, hey, we are going to re sign you. Like I just, wink I wink just... nod nod. Ever since we got you from Detroit, like you know this is going to be a long-term relationship that we have you with Portland. It was never going to be a one-year deal, but guess who gives that leverage to? It gives it to Jeremy Grant. So he probably got a few extra million than he maybe otherwise would have gotten on the open market because of all that other psychology, you know, behind it. I just hate it. I just hate an overpay. On the face value, it's an overpay, but don't overpays have to happen sometimes? Yeah, they do. It just uh, I don't know. I just don't think Jeremy Grant It's a big number. It's a big number, and I think it's going to be tough where Here's the thing, I, and I've said this the whole time, I don't think the Blazers are that close to competing. And that's a contract that you give someone that you're like, okay, well, we're either going to rebuild and we're going to build around this guy, or he's the missing piece. He's neither. But like, that's the thing, you know, the Damien part is factors all into this. This is why it's so dumb to go down two paths at once. The Blazers are just, I just feel like they're such a disaster. Like Because it's either overpay spot. for Jeremy Grant to keep Dame happy, or, or let Grant walk, nothing. which would keep your integrity as a franchise trying to rebuild but also lose Damian Lillard or at least increase the likelihood of losing Damian Lillard like and Damian then, really wanted Jeremy if Jeremy would have walked I mean that could have you know put Dame over the edge you and, know that Dame wanted Jeremy Grant back yeah, and that's true and that's you know good for Jeremy Grant I'm not saying I, you know I'm not mad at Jeremy Grant for signing the contract yeah. like get your money while yeah. you can and never take a discount that I would never say I want you to take a discount to come to a team that's just not how I am like Take as much money as he possibly well, Draymond can. Draymond did. Draymond did good for him, but that's his choice. I would I wouldn't be mad <laughs> if he took the max. Like that's because he really wants to punch Chris Paul in practice. Yeah, that he just hates Chris Paul that much. <laughs> but uh, the Trailblazers bringing back Jeremy Grant five years, hundred sixty million. They also today, in a bit of a surprise move, Judah, they waived Trenton Watford uh, second season 
Wofford now it, it, you know saves the Blazers you know 1.6 1.7 million dollars something like that uh gives them a roster spot even though they didn't technically need a roster spot as of a lot of time to finalize their roster but a little bit of a surprise move I don't think a lot, it caught a lot of people off guard uh we talked about the height on this team you know Trent Wofford was one of those guys who sometimes was playing small ball five you know they lose Drew Eubanks today they lose Wofford uh you know what did you did you take away anything away from that move that you know waving Trent and Watford no. out of nowhere just you know taking that money and running with it? I just don't know why so many people are tweeting out the Brian Windhorst, you know, fingers in the sky like it's a move to the move. Yeah, it's like uh, okay. I mean, all I noticed was the two way deals that they signed yesterday uh, with a couple of guys that will play in summer league, and then the one point eight million that they're saving by letting go of Watford. And losing Eubanks, I'm just like, I mean, I don't know. Did, does that really signal anything that much bigger? Or does it signal, you know, trying to make more room for the Jeremy Grant deal? Is it, you know, that simple that they just needed a little bit more breathing room to make the Grant $32 million work? I mean, I, I, this is stuff that's been in the works for some time, and probably everybody knew it except for Trenton Watford. But I don't know that it really signals anything any more significant than that other than they're kind of out of dearth at the position from a depth standpoint. I do love that Blazer fans just right away went to, oh, yo, he was going Blazers be, media. He was going to be part of the rebuild. I love Trevor oh, Watford. Yeah, he's going to be part of the rebuild. He's one of those guys you you rebuild with. He's a young guy, can play. No, he's a, he, he, as, as, as I was talking to someone about Trent Watford, he said he's a decent almost role player. He's decent yeah. and almost a role player. Not quite a role player because he's one of those guys that if you play him, you're not really expecting much out of him to win. And I put this tweet out. You know, Chauncey Billups has been through a lot of stuff already his first two seasons, but he was expected to win, and Trenton Watford was in closing lineups with Damian Lillard. Like that's that does not that's not going to work. And no, no offense to Trenton Watford, he's just not ready to play on that level. I don't know if he ever will be, but I think the Blazers kind of proved what they thought of him today as they just waved him for nothing instead of looking to deal him or anything like that. So I, I think what it signaled to me was that the Blazers just think that they can upgrade that spot, the Trent Watford spot, and they thought, okay, we'll just get rid of him now and we'll just wave him to try to save as much money as we possibly can just in case a trade pops up. Yep, and, and maybe it does, but the fact that it's him and Eubanks now, it's like, and Nurk is Nurk, it's like, <laughs> pretty much don't have a center. Certainly no one reliable. <laughs> that is that's, that's uh, that is 100% true. The Blazers have We're no one real small ball. They are going, Jeremy Grant at the five. They're going small, small ball. He's making enough money Scoot now. Scoot Henderson starting power forward. I'm here <laughs> for it. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take a break there and come back when we do. Uh, we'll touch on more of the Blazers if anything else comes out. NBA free agency as well. But we also do the big splash every day. That's what's coming next right here. I'm Stephen Vaughn, and that's Judah Newby. We're filling in for John Canzano on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. I'm with Judah Newby. We're Judah Newby. We are filling in for John Canzano today. As You're said. not the only one. Jude. At least I called you Judah, not uh, Judas. Uh, I've gotten Judas. I've gotten like Nuda. Judas. Judas. There's Nuda? a lot of there's a lot of weird ways you can twist twist the name. <laughs> I'm just glad I got Judah right. I don't know how many ways you can twist Stephen Vaughn other than calling you Stevie, which you do Vaughan. not like at all. I've heard Vaughn. Vaughn? Yeah. How? I don't know. Because of G-H-A-N? Because there's an A at the end. You do have the extra A. That's true. Because most Vaughns are V-A-U-G-H-N. I got that sneaky A, and so people sometimes will say Vaughn. Like it's uh, German, I guess that would be, right? That'd Russian? Be, that's actually... That's, Vagen. That sounds cool. Vagen? Vagen? Stefan, Stefan Vagen. Stefan Vagen. But it is uh, Steven, for sure. And as a Steven, I I will say this, hard, hot take on this one. Steven is spelled S-T-E-V-E-N. 
Stevens that are spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N, like Stefan, get out of my life. It's Stefan. That's Stefan, not Steven. Because if you're going to call him Steve, how do you how do you shorten it? It's not S-T-E-P-H. That's Steph. That's true. Steph Curry is a Stefan with a P-H-A-N. Right, right. but, but there's Maybe some Stevens that are with a P-H, but then if you shorten that and you call him Steve, what do you do? You just take the P-H out put a V in there? That doesn't make any sense. Steve doesn't come from Stefan. So if it's a, if it's a PH and it's Steven, I'm calling you Stefan. I, I kind of agree with that. I don't know how you get Steven out of P-H-E-N or P-H-A-N. I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like those. I don't like Stevens with a PH. I'll tell you that. You're so, the authority. I am. I am. As a, as a Steven, uh, give me the V's. I'm a Steven with the V guy, and that's the only thing that I want. All right, Judah, uh, as we do every day, we got the uh, biggest news of all. All the news of the biggest. It's the big splash. We do it every day. Here it is. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Well, the Big 12 is going to officially be the Big 14. Coming up tomorrow at midnight on July 1st as BYU Houston UCF and Cincinnati join the conference, but then they'll go back to 12 after Oklahoma, Texas leave. But the Big 12 going to 14 teams starting tomorrow. Brett Yormark, he was talking to some BYU TV people, and he was talking about how ideally he would love to have 14 teams in the conference. Here's what he said. I don't think stability in numbers um, are, are, you know, necessarily a line there. I mean, yeah. I, I, to me, I do think there's strength in numbers, but if we end up being at 12, that's great. I'd like to stay at 14, even with the departures of Texas and Oklahoma, candidly. We'll see if that's a possibility or not. Uh, but I love 12. Um, I, you know, I, I love the, the current makeup uh, moving forward. In fact, I'm thrilled with it. Um, we're not chasing a number. Again, it, whatever whatever happens has to truly create value for the conference um, and and fit within those guiding principles with respect to how we're thinking about expansion. But it's not so much a number that we're thinking about. Um, It's really more about the fit. And uh, I think that's critically important. I mean, look here, we're going to have some Pac-12 news later on in the show. Judah uh, at San Diego State has kind of made a shocking decision what they want to do. But the Big 12 coming out and saying, ideally, 14 teams would be great. You know, I just love, I don't know if Brett Yarmark's going to do anything good for the conference. I don't know if it's going to just turn into a big giant tire fire and burn all down. But I love that he's out in front of everything and he's talking about expansion. He's talking about things that are happening. He's talking about the media deals. He's out there saying things unlike the Pac-12. I want the Pac-12 to be around. I love it. I love the Pac-12. I love all the teams in it. I love staying up late, watching Pac-12 after dark football, watching all the basketball teams. But man... Your mark at least is out saying things and he's out saying, you know, we want to grow bigger. And if it works, it works. The Pac-12 is not doing any of this. It really bothers me. And your mark, again, I don't know if he's telling the truth. I don't know if he's just doing it to try to get people on his side. But you know what? He's starting to make me a believer that the Big 12 is going <laughs> to get some more teams. And the Pac-12 is just going to stay either at 10 or they're just even going to go away. I, I don't think it's doom and gloom where the Pac-12 dissolves. But, man, I don't. it seems like the, the Big 12 is a much... It's a much better landing spot for a lot of schools than the Pac-12 is right now. Well, yeah, it seems that for the perception battle, the Big 12 is beating the Pac-12. And 
sometimes perception is not reality. But part of me is starting to wonder if it's been like a year. Do you have if you're the Pac-12, do you have a perception problem because you have an actual problem? And I'm starting to worry about that. It looks like it feels like George Klyovkov is so committed to keeping things so tight to the vest and tight to the chest and not letting anything get out. And the presidents and chancellors, they might slip out a little bit of positive news here and there, but frankly, it's hard to believe even them because things have lasted forever and we've gotten uh, different tones of of reports and different uh, little angles of it, but nothing really of substance. And meanwhile, the Big 12, this is the advantage they have of being loud and being first. Are they right? Partially? Definitely not totally, but partially, maybe. But being loud and being first is getting into my head a little bit. And I'm wondering if you're right, like if uh, they're not in a healthier, more advantageous position when it's all said and done. You know, the Pac-12 can win this at the end of the day if, you know, the final evidence speaks for itself and it's in the Pac-12's favor. But until we see it, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into a Big 12 having the upper hand right now. And that's the thing. It's like it's one of those where there's smoke is there fire. Like I've seen so much of this Big 12 smoke that they've been putting out there. At some point, I'm going to start to believe it. I mean, it's been like a year of all this Judah. Like ever since USC and UCLA left for the Big 10, it's been nothing but not great news for the Pac-12. And then the Big 12 comes out. They have lost Texas and Oklahoma. But your mark's out here saying these things of we want new teams. We're trying to build big. We're going to go huge on basketball. We're going to get other schools. We They go out and they acquire the four teams from the AAC. Like, they've done a lot of good things. And he's still out there saying, we want to acquire more if it works out. I, I do wonder. Let's throw this out for you know, the last minute here before we take a break. Like, it's going to be 12 teams after Texas and Oklahoma leave If they go to 14, they have to add two more schools. Like, what schools are those going to be? Is it going to be a UConn basketball, Gonzaga basketball, but then what's to do with UConn? Is it going to be an AAC school, another one, SMU? Is it going to be San Diego State? Is it going to be Fresno State? What would you think would be two schools that fit kind of with the Big 12 uh, if they do look to expand to 14? Yeah, I think for if uh, from a Pac-12 standpoint, you almost hope that it's UConn and Gonzaga for basketball because your mark has been on the front foot saying, hey, there is untapped value in basketball there's untapped revenue in the media rights deals in in basketball and might maybe splitting up basketball from football whereas a lot of conferences bundle the the two sports together the worst case scenario would probably be like colorado and uh utah or something going back to the big big 12 which i don't think would happen but maybe arizona arizona state which i still wouldn't be a fan of that either from fact 12 standpoint but Something to monitor. A lot to a lot to be seen, and uh, we will keep you updated on that. But we'll uh, take a break when we come back. We got the punch and audio as we always do. Bald face truth, the bald face truth radio network. Bald face truth hour two. Stephen Vaughn here filling in for John Canzano. I am with Judah Newby as well. John will be back on Monday though with all your sports needs. We got you today going into the weekend and a big Friday. It is very newsy Friday day, surprisingly in the summer. A lot of times there's not a lot of news going on. A lot of news going on today as the NBA free agency has started. Blazers make a move. They re-signed Jeremy Grant five years, $160 million uh, for Jeremy Grant to return to Portland. Some other big moves. Draymond Green, he's heading back to Golden State. Four years, $100 million. There was a quick thought that he may be uh, a target of Damian Lillard. That will not be happening as he is going back to the Golden State Warriors on a somewhat 
of a uh, discount there for the Golden State Warriors. Drew Eubanks signs with the Suns. He will not be back with Portland. Trenton Watford waived by the team. Blazers haven't made any other moves. We'll see what happens. Is crazy. Just starting an hour into it. Seems like a lot more going to happen. Yaka Pirtle, four years on 80 million. Cam Johnson, four years, $108 million for Cam Johnson to go back to the Nets. A lot of money being floated around, uh, but we will keep you updated on all of it. But as we do every single day, Judah Nubia and myself, we go through the internet. We go through the shows. We go through everything. We go through all the bad stuff. And we bring you the best stuff of audio so you can hear it. We got it for you. We do it punchy audio. We do it every day. Here it is. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, NBA free agency is underway, and Kyrie Irving, he has re-signed with the Dallas Mavericks. We talked about all the other deals so far, but Kyrie, three years, $123 million to re-sign with the Dallas Mavericks. That includes a player option. Here is Kyrie when he's with the Nets in the game when he shot. Punch it. Simmons gets it into Irving. Two seconds left. Irving stops. Irving going back to the Mavericks now he was a big you know the trade deal at the trade deadline last year after the Mavericks acquire him they fall down they fall out of the race but Kyrie one of those he's one of those players and that play right there sums it all up of him what he can do he can stop on a dive he can create his own shot the Judah newbie three years 123 million dollars for Kyrie what do the Mavericks know what they're getting into is this a move that you had to make just like we talked about the Jeremy Grant deal Kyrie held a lot of leverage with the Mavericks the Mavericks gave up a lot to get him if they were just let him go and not resign him they lose him for nothing he held a lot of leverage he got it in Dallas is this a move that the Mavericks are going to be uh, excited for in the next three years or is Kyrie going to ruin out his welcome as he's done every other place he's been <laughs> yeah count me skeptical of pretty much any team that Kyrie Irving is playing for and that's a little unfortunate because I, I do love Luca. I'll ping it back to you a couple of things a is the on-court pairing of Doncic and Irving you know will that work and how can that work and b do you trust any move that mark cuban does i mean for as out front and outspoken that he is feels like he leaves some meat on the bone as a general manager since the since the dirk era ended yeah um i I, the thing about cuban though he's at least gone for it right like he made big trades to get chris Porzingis didn't work out He's made trades for Luka Don- or for Kyrie Irving that didn't work out. Yeah, well, Doncic was a yeah, trade as well, right? he traded for Doncic for Trey Young uh, at the time, which has worked out. I, I like I, Cuban. I would say. Yeah, I, I think so too. I love I love Luka Doncic. I think he's great. Um, the pairing on the court is a weird pairing because both guys are ball dominant for sure. Luka, the most ball dominant guy in the NBA, Kyrie definitely needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Not like a real spot up shooter going to move without the ball, but I don't know. I think offensively it can work. I think those two guys are so talented that if if they have their heads on straight, they can figure it out. Now, defensively, that's a problem. Uh, Kyrie, terrible defender. Luka Doncic, terrible defender. They got a lot to uh, lot to be desired on that end of the ball. But I think offensively, that one-two punch is really good. Now, I'm with you. 
I'm very skeptical that uh, by the end of this contract, the Mavs are going to be happy with Kyrie Irving, but it's one of those things they held all the, or, you know, Kyrie held all the leverage. Like, what do you want him to do? He's, he's going to get a big deal from the Mavericks and he's going to take it three years, 123 million. I imagine he probably opts into that player option, that final season when he's making, you know, 50 plus million dollars a season. I think it could be a problem for the Mavericks, but they don't have any other choice. Who else was in the Kyrie conversation? Is it is it always just like a LeBron thing? It's a, the, yeah, LeBron always gets thrown out there. The Lakers always get thrown out there, but it's just nothing seemed real, and it seems like Kyrie's real option was with the Mavericks. But uh, I will say this, you know, with the Mavericks bringing back Kyrie and Luka, like you can't say that they're not going to be contending for a playoff spot. We talked about the Blazers trying to compete. You're going to have to compete with the Mavericks. Like whether they make the playoffs or not, there's still going to be a good team that's going for it. They're not tanking along with a lot of other teams in the Western conference. Just another hurdle that the Blazers are going to have to hurdle uh, in order to make the playoffs. But Kyrie Irving going back to the Mavericks. Ernie Johnson. I would argue he is one of the best, if not the best studio hosts, in the land, I would love to hear Judah Newby's thoughts on that because he's a big announcer guy, <laughs> big uh, in-host guy. But Ernie Johnson, uh, they were announcing the match over the weekend, or uh, what was that, yesterday? I think so, yesterday. Yeah, sorry, over the weekend. I'm thinking of the weekend. That's it, what I'm it thinking It felt of. like the weekend yeah, yesterday. because we were out on the golf course. It was nice and sunny. I was thinking weekend. But, uh, yes, yesterday was the match between Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Uh, but the bigger news was uh, Charles Barkley announced something to Ernie Johnson on the broadcast. Punch it. Hey, guys. Uh, can I say something, Ernie? Uh, I think you already are. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is big. This is big. I want to be the first. I'm the only person up here knows this. I want to be the first person. It's an honor and a privilege to congratulate Ernie Johnson going into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Chuckster, what are you talking about? Uh, I, they, they told me, and I said, they said, would you do this? I said, it'd be an honor. It's an honor and a privilege to tell you, Ernie Johnson, congratulations, brother. Yeah. Man, well that said. is that is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I, You know what? I'm taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. And whoever whoever is responsible for that, whoever um, votes on that, I am humbled beyond words so thank you so much means the world to me i've been at this been at this for uh been at this for 34 years uh at the same place been over 40 years in broadcasting and uh i'm stunned so thank you so much i appreciate that very much love to hear legends get emotional like that and like he said he's stunned like he's he's the best he's the best in studio host he's the only guy i think in the world that could handle barkley kenny smith and shaq and do it so well like he is the perfect maestro that commands all their respect because he's so good at what he does those three guys respect him and they respect what he has to say he holds them accountable holds them in line and that show inside the nba is so good and to hear ernie johnson kind of get emotional on the broadcast like that he says i'm not expecting it it's like man if I was Ernie Johnson, I'd expect to be in the Hall of Fame because I'm so good. But he is so good, man. Uh, Ernie Johnson into the Sports bra- sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Judah Newby, he is our uh, go-to on broadcasters, analysts, play-by-play men. I go to him for all my questions because he loves inside information. Judah loves this stuff. Oh, I, lo- I love, love it. The- what do you think of Ernie Johnson? Is he, is he as good as I'm hyping him up to be? He is because the first thing I associate with him is no ego whatsoever on that set. And that's what makes it work. You know, imagine if the point guard on that set 
had, would had any degree of ego or like wanted the camera and all the news to be about it him. Would never work. <laughs> There's only one ball, you know, and you got Shaq, Kenny, and Chuck. And uh, the reason inside the NBA is so dang popular and rightfully so is because Chuck shines and then Shaq can shine and Kenny can have his moments and Ernie knows how to orchestrate it all beautifully. Ernie's got more versatility than you would think. I think that he does a really good job with postseason baseball on yeah. TBS as well when he slides into the uh, the play-by-play chair. Uh, I do I do enjoy him here. He's got a great story, and uh, I know he's you know a lot's gone on with his son and and uh, and cancer and and he's been vulnerable on the air and been really powerful in his vulnerability. But also, he's got sneaky expertise in the game of basketball that you would uh, that you shouldn't overlook either. And he does a great podcast with Barkley, does the Steam Room, and I just think that man, I, I think the lack of ego is what allows him to build such strong relationships with strong personalities. And it's what makes the product great. So this is well-deserved, and I really admire the delivery of the news. Whoever was able to, you know, get the news official that he's going into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame, decide not to call Ernie Johnson directly, but instead call the bosses at TNT. And then for the bosses at TNT to let Chuck deliver the news, it made for a really great on-air moment, a really fitting on-air moment, and it couldn't happen to a better person. Yeah, no, Ernie Johnson, he's the best, man. He is so good. And, and it's like I said the other day, I, if you're a broadcaster, you got to bring something. you got to bring some type of extra game for so long. He's not just a guy that's reading off stats or just a guy that's you know, reading off what happened in the game. He actually gives a little bit, and I love that about him. Uh, Ernie Johnson going to sports to broadcasters Hall of Fame, rightfully so, and about time. Should have been there earlier. College football, I can't wait, Judah. Uh, you talked about Phil Steele's magazine coming out soon, but uh, I just can't wait. But Josh Pate, he has a good podcast that he puts out there. He's talking about college football playoff expansion. There's some people out there that don't like it. Why would they not like it? He doesn't understand Josh Pate talking about college football expansion. Punch it. There is a group like me that just doesn't want expansion. There is a group that is all for expansion. So those are two groups. Then I think there's this third group that is the least vocal. I think politics is also the same way in this country right now. There's a third group kind of in the middle that looks around both sides and says, I don't think I fit into either one of these classifications. I don't really fully know where I stand right now. And with the playoff, I think a lot of you are looking around. You've heard the pro-expansionist argument. You've heard the anti-expansionist argument, or as I call it, the traditionalist argument. And you're looking around, you're saying, there sounds like there's some merit on both ends. I kind of fall into that group. I feel like, Judah, like I like the idea of the college football expansion that you're going to get a lot of teams in there that don't necessarily get in. And you know, speaking of the Pac-12, as a Pac-12 fan, like they've only had two teams in the college football playoff in its, in, in its whole uh, whole lifespan. That's Oregon and Washington. There's only two teams in it. With the expanded playoffs, it's going to go to 12. There's going to be Pac-12 teams in every single season. So I think that's fun. But at the same time, I also don't want to dilute the, the product. And I love the fact that it's the elite of the elite that makes it, that gets to, you know, that, you know, the quote-unquote tournament to win the actual championship. Basketball is a little different than football. I feel like football, you really can get to the elite teams and cut it off. 12 may be a lot, but I see... I see both sides. And as a gambler, look, I love it. I love the fact that we're going to have so many more playoff games to bet on. And it's going to be so much more fun. But where do you stand on that, Judah? Do you, are you so pro-expansion? Are you against expansion? Are you kind of in the middle like I am where you see both sides? I, I think expansion is good, but I also don't think it means more success for the Pac-12. Because 
Now the Pac-12 will get in, but you got to start winning games now. The the bar is going to be different. The bar used to be you're in the playoff. It's pretty damn good because only four teams get in. Um, Oregon at least won a game. You know, Washington didn't win theirs. Now, created they were going up against Alabama, but uh, Oregon got into the first one, and they've been close in other years. I, I think 2019 probably their other best shot you know you lost to auburn in the opener but you ran the table besides that except for losing at arizona state that would have been you know a really good chance to uh to get there again and in, in herbie's senior year still win a rose bowl which is which is awesome but you know ultimately how much respect will the conference get if you get to the playoff with an automatic qualifier and don't win because inevitably let's paint the picture right top four seeds get a buy five plays 12 you know, six plays 11, seven plays 10, and eight plays nine. What if Oregon is a five? Okay, in that scenario, they play a 12. It might it might be at Autzen. I don't know how they're going to do home field advantage or if it's going to be neutral site games. Right. Let, you know, but either way, if they lose as a 5-12, now we're... That's kind of bad perception. Well, now now it's like, well, great. I'd rather not make the playoff than make the playoff and lose a 5-12 game. Well, even look at last season, I mean. And that will stick with you. That stink is really hard to get rid of if you lose as a favorite in the college football playoff, which favorites are going to lose. Yeah, they are. And, I mean, you look at it even last year, you look at the top 12 teams. The Pac-12 had three of them. Washington at eight, Utah at 10, USC at 12. What if they go on three? That's not a good look for the It's Pac-12. the same thing that we've been talking about in non-conference yeah. you know, schedules. It's like, But it's only going it, to be even tougher. more <laughs> yeah, tougher and more under a microscope. Of, yeah. Because we'll remember this as the last thing we see going into yep. next season. We, I mean, a lot more on the line. I mean, we take, it, we, we take bowl games seriously. When the Pac-12 doesn't win bowl games, people think the Pac-12 sucks because they don't win bowl games. Nobody cares about the bowl games, and that happens. But if it's the college football playoff, we'll all care about that. Especially early. Early in this expansion era. It's going to really matter a lot. That's why it would have been so Because if you lose as a favorite early, that stink is going to be hard to shake for future playoffs. It would have been so huge had Oregon won that first ever college football playoff. Massive. Massive. Because they would have been in the record books as being the first college football champions like that. I I think that would have gave the Pac-12 so much more just respect around the nation. Where I think I'm with you. Like, expanding doesn't – it helps the Pac-12 – get notoriety by getting in there because they'll have teams represented like last season they're really good conference they would have had two or three teams in there but if they go one two oh and three it's right back to where we think and then the pac-12 gets no respect going to the next season it was it's yeah almost, not to mention now you have to do it without your southern california schools. i mean think about it this way like the pac-12 has a lot of hype going into this season like if they're in the college football playoff and they lost they'd have no hype but now we're talking about how there could be some sneaky teams there's five teams that could win the conference i mean if washington goes in and loses in their first round at the college football playoff game then eh, we'll write them off utah goes and gets blown out because cam rising is hurt yeah we'll blow them off too like I'm with you. I think there's a little bit of a danger for the Pac-12 to get in and get so much recognition. But at the same time, like, if you're an Oregon State fan, if you're an Oregon fan, with USC and UCLA leaving, you have such a better chance to go into the college football playoff. And that would be cool, right? It also will be interesting because it will highlight who are the good week-to-week game planners in college football in a sport that's dominated by recruiting and maybe a little bit less by scheme. It will amplify who are the good week-to-week schemers. That's what the NFL is obviously all about. But imagine if you're Ryan Day at Ohio State. You've got to go from Michigan late in the year to the Big Ten Championship game late in the year. Maybe you get a bye as a top four in the playoff, but then you've got to play like three good to elite teams in a row and game plan for each of them 
you know, weekly, basically, at that point. Same with Dan Lanning. Can Dan Lanning game plan against two, three consecutive elite teams back to back to back to back? I mean, I have really no idea what to expect, but I think it's going to reveal a lot about who are the good scheme coaches in college football and not just who are the good recruiters. So would you would you rather have college football playoff be traditional, how it is last couple of years have been four teams or do you like the expansion i like the expansion i like the expansion with all that being said you do like the expansion yeah i i, I think it's better to get to 12 because i i do kind of think what what Gonzano was saying it's more of an invitational now that being said i still think by and large most of the time the four best teams do get in like i don't think that's hard to um you know every once in a while you can well, I mean, look, you can argue for a, the four seed being somebody else. I mean, you, you but like, like by and large, year. Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, like that's just the way it goes. Most of the time, those are at least three of the four best teams in college football. Even though it's not a true playoff, it's really hard to convince me otherwise that they're not among you know that the playoff teams that are in there. At least three of them are certainly deserving. TCU was the weird one last year, but you know. I think it was just a little bit of a down year last year. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State made it after Michigan pantsed Ohio State two two uh, two weeks before that. So, I mean, do we I really need to see Clemson get into the college football playoff in the twelve team expansion? Like they would have been it last season. Like they're no good. I think Clemson moving forward is really interesting but like, because I'm they've just got about last year. Like last year, yeah, last like, year we expand it because it's gonna. It's just not gonna, from a football standpoint, but it is a big brand. You know, and right. the the idea is to get as many big brands in. And okay, frankly, Penn- it was kind of the the same with your college basketball expansion take yesterday with 64 to 96 96 yeah is what they're thinking about think of how, how many you know big brands would get in like a Syracuse and an Oregon would get in every single year rather than ever being on the bubble but like do we, in, in that do, sense and from a TV standpoint all you want is more opportunities to get big brands in let alone for how good their football team is almost but even like a Utah or a Penn State like they're not good enough to win national championship last season, but they would have uh, Penn State they maybe been easily in the tournament. Penn Same State Clemson. was good last year. Clemson would have been in the or would have been the college football playoff expanded. Like they don't they deserve were not gonna to win, win a national championship. Like I don't need to see Clemson lose by twenty points to you know Ohio State. Yeah, but it's better than bowl games. To me, it's better than playing random ass bowl games. At least you're getting some cool college basketball, uh, college football games against somebody that better. And guess what? You get to bet on it. That's the best part is you get to bet on it. That's which you, you'd be into that. I'm out. I'm down with it. Like I, that, that's you what get I'm to fade Dabo. You you always love to fade Dabo. And that's the thing. Like I, Josh Payton talking about this. Like the two, the three camps. I fall directly in the middle. Like I understand all the all the great things that a, a college football playoff expansion does, but at the same time, like. You're also gonna dilute the water a little bit of the actual playoff. Like the, you said, the top four teams usually get in, and it's usually decent football. Unlike last season when TCU somehow pulled it off, but it's usually the best four teams. Like if we get the best twelve teams, twelve and one is a big difference in college football. The number twelve team and the number one team, huge difference. College basketball, not as much. The number twelve team and the number one team, I think, is so much closer. So I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to dilute the product too much, but at the same time, I want the regular season to matter. Because this way, the regular season is not going to matter as much to teams like Georgia, Alabama, yeah. Ohio State. Like they're in the college football playoff no matter what. They can lose two games and they're in. But from a viewership standpoint, you know, think about the NFL playoffs and how often you see a wild card game, and it's an epic game. I'll give you an example: Jaguars Chargers last year. It's like, wow, that was a hell of a football game. Obviously, those of us rooting for the you know, the Herbie led Chargers a little bit let down, but you like the Jags, and and that's an epic, epic game. No one thought that the Jaguars or Chargers were going to win the Super Bowl. No one. 
No one thought they were probably going to get to the championship game, either of them. And they didn't, even though the Jags put up a pretty good fight against Kansas City with Mahomes getting hurt. With one leg. In college football, you know, I'm kind of excited about some of the really good first-round games of an 8 versus 9 or a 7 versus 10. Not not unlike the NCAA tournament in some instances, like how often you can get fired up about a Sweet 16 battle between a couple of Blue Bloods do it like UCLA-Gonzaga. We, we knew that probably UCLA or Gonzaga was not going to get to the Final Four win a championship game for one reason or the other. They didn't, but they gave us the best Sweet 16 game we could have asked for last year. Sweet game, yeah. And how I think the parallel of that in an expanded playoff is worth acknowledging, and we'll be coming into that, and, and then we'll look back on it and be like, wow, Georgia beat Alabama in a great championship game, but look, that was an epic playoff. Remember that amazing Oklahoma State versus Ole Miss game in the 8-9? That's wild. You know, maybe something like that I, could come out of it. And I think this, and to your point as well, this will be the final point to take a break here, but it will weed out the the posers, right? TC, TCU wouldn't, won't make a national championship game. They There'll may, be some second-round blowouts. Right. They might win a first-round game, <laughs> but they ain't going to win back-to-back games. Yeah. We're not going to have that 60-0 you know, blowout in the national title game between Georgia and TCU because TCU will have lost to one of the better teams. Just yeah. like in the first year of the college football playoff with Ohio State, they were the four seed. No one really thought anything. They proved they were the best team by far. Well, to that point, guess what? Blowouts also happen in the current version of the college football playoff. That's true. Clemson got freaking schwacked by Ohio State in the Orange Bowl a few years ago. It wasn't like 31 nothing or something like that. Yeah. Guess what? Blowouts out. Alabama pants to Michigan State in a one versus 4 Blowouts still happen in the, in the four-team playoff, and they will continue to happen. But that I don't think will be a change. But to your point, if you do get an upset win in round one, you're probably going to get your ass handed to you happens, by, that by a one. That happens a lot in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. And the NCAA yeah. tournament, it's, it's a great spot to go yeah. against those teams who get the upset in the first round be like, all right, we, we second game, we're going against them. <laughs> we them. All right, we'll take a break there. When we come back, we got, uh, we got some audio from the BFT golf tournament that we didn't get to yesterday. The Pouncy Brothers, they were there. They were golfing. They are great fun. Uh, we interviewed them. We talked to them on the turn after they finished 18. We're going to play that audio from yesterday. Also talk about the golf tournament as well. Uh, and then we also got more free agent news. The NBA free agency started about an hour and a half ago. Some teams making some big moves. The Blazers, are they one of those teams? Come back and listen to Ball Face Truth on the Ball Face Truth Radio Network. Ball Face Truth here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Filling in with John or filling in for John Canzano as well as Judah Newby. He is with me as always. Uh yesterday it was the Bald Face Truth Golf Tournament. BFT Foundation, you know, the ninth annual out of the reserve in Aloha. Great time had by all. We talked about some of our favorite memories that we had, you know, talking to former great umpires and Dale, um, Dale Scott, Jim Joyce, talking to Miss Oregon USA. She was great. Uh, you know, talking to a lot of people, learning a lot of things about a lot of people, just doing it all for the good of the kids and the community. Uh, but we also, uh, we recorded some more things that didn't quite, we didn't have enough time. We recorded so much stuff due to that. It was just too good. and We couldn't get it out of the air. But uh, we talked to Devon Pouncey. And his brother. Now, let me get this straight here, Judah, because uh, I've never met Devon, but apparently he uh, used to work here at the station. He's a you know longtime guy that's known in the Pacific Northwest area. Uh, I know he played basketball at Pacific. He does Pacific uh, play-by-play stuff. He's the color man on the Portland State Vikings men's basketball games with Matt Rickert. Uh, you know, I know you had a great relationship with him. It was awesome. To see. It was fun to see you like in your element talking to your guys uh, out there. So, you know, uh, you know talk about them a little bit, the well, Townsend Bros. Devon's one of my favorite people in the world. And yeah, I told him you that. You can tell, yeah. And uh, it's just he's got this 
energy and joy about him. And, um, you know, I miss working with him at the station, but he's got a lot of talent, you know, behind the mic. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff in the music world as well. And he's just a fun guy to be around and hang around. We've, we've hung out, you know, outside of work a handful of times and it's always a memorable experience. So I'll put it that way. And his brother's the same way, his older brother, uh, who's big in the music scene as well, as you'll hear in the, the interview and the conversation. But you can't be around those guys and not have a smile on your face. Oh, they're fun, man. I had the time. It's not fun. And those type of people, I think, are just so they're valuable people to be around. Uh, you know, the world the way that it is today. Uh, it's it's always great to be around people that give love and give energy. And I would say uh, both Pouncy brothers are in that uh, are in that category. I'm pretty sure they're related to the other Pouncy brothers and in, uh, in the NFL, Marcus and Marquise. I think are cousins of theirs, but. And they represent the Bay Area. They represent Vallejo, California, more than anybody else that I know. And you'd be surprised at the number of big-time athletes and, like, media stars and musicians come out of Vallejo. It's it's incredible how many people they know. And that's the other thing. They know everybody. I, I don't think I've, any, I've met people we as networked. We all know networked. those people that know, yeah. that know everybody. These guys know everybody. These guys know everybody. So, you know, I, I love these guys. It was a lot of fun to catch up with them yesterday. Yeah, they were great. And here's uh, here's our interview with the Pouncey Brothers yesterday at the BFT Golf Tournament at the Reserve. And we are live from the Ninth Annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament with Stephen Vaughn. I'm Judah Newby from the Reserve Vineyards and Golf Club. we got a familiar face across from us right now, the one, the only, Devon Pouncey. That's right. That's right. Pouncey, what's up, my dude? How oh, are you? Man, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. It's been, it's been a while since I've been here on this station and yep. uh, here at this tournament as well. But, you know, familiar faces, lifetime friends, and so I'm glad to be back. It's really great to see you. And, For sure. Uh, I know uh, your, your brother's here as well, the boy, yes, LTD, sir. living the dream. Yeah, man, I had to get him out here. I've been hollering at JC. I ran into him a few months back, and uh, my brother's the golfer of the family. I'm just, you know. He's since he's playing a bit. Yeah, yeah, he plays a bit, and so he, he's out there several times a week, and yeah. uh, I'm just here to have a good time, have a drink or two. Well, and, I wasn't uh, going to say anything. We were, talking, <laughs> we were talking to your brother before, and he's like, yeah, you know, my brother, he's not very good at golf. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I'll gladly admit that I'm not a good golfer. I don't go out and golf too much, but uh, I do I do other things well, so I can live with it. You do indeed, man. Every time I, I pop on uh, the socials or Instagram, I'm seeing some sort of story or post that yeah. you're doing, You're and for those that don't know uh pounce was a radio host right here on 750 the game a mutual friend of of ours and justin myers as well who's yep. still in the game still, still, in the still game. doing it and i know uh steven you know justin yeah. well as well so you know it, we're all a brotherhood in, Absolutely. in the that's, radio world yeah that's why i said man i'm glad to be here like this this station you mm-hmm. know this foundation you know the ball face truth radio show it got me my start in broadcasting what now eight years ago somewhere around there i remember when you were just coming on and yeah that, that's yeah. gonna hurt my brain a little bit yeah I was, it's been about seven or eight years i, I was on jc show a little while back yeah. and i told him you know he he ruined me because i've been doing this broadcasting ever since even yeah. since i you know parted ways from here but yeah. uh no nah, you know it's always good to come back to the roots like i said made lifetime friends here at the station and now i get to come out and have fun on the golf course once again i remember doing this here i remember broadcasting the show here you were where back I'm when i was now. yeah 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 i remember doing this as well so it's 
it's definitely uh, nostalgic in yeah. a lot of ways. But again, just glad to come out here and help out for a good cause. You're a huge basketball fan. Yes, you, you do. Uh, you do uh, the analysis with uh, with Matt Rickert for Portland State men's yeah. basketball. Yes, I indeed. love seeing those highlights. Yeah, on, yeah, on the socials <laughs> as well. And uh, it, it's great. You know, what what what's uh, what do you make of everything going on with with Dame Dollar in, Ooh, uh, in Portland right about now? I know you got takes for days. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could clearly tell that uh, both parties want to want to stay together. Obviously, um, you know, Dame wants to stay here in Portland. Portland wants to keep Dame, but this free agency is going to mean everything. I know it starts tomorrow, yeah. so um, you know, this free agency is going to mean a lot in terms to you know Portland deciding whether they want to go full on rebuild because I do think that they've got the pieces and they've got things in order to be able to just decide to commit to rebuilding and sending Dame somewhere that he would be pleased with. But also, I think they're going to go for it all and try to keep him here. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think they both want to stick with each other. But at the same time, you know, this this summer and really more so this free agency now is going to become very, very important if we want to see Dame wear that blazer uniform. What do you think is the best option? I mean, for for me... I think the best option for the franchise is to rebuild, right? Like, I, uh-huh. think, I think the starting spot of Scoot, Shaden Sharp, some draft picks when you trade Dame is a better spot than if you're trying to build for a championship with Dame. Like, what do you think? What do you think is the best best option for the franchise, not just for the fans or for Dame? No, for sure. I mean, obviously the allegiance is to Dame. Uh, yeah. I would say he's the greatest player ever, greatest Blazer ever. Um, so the allegiance is with him. For the franchise, I think it probably would be better to rebuild. Um, for the franchise at large, for Cronin as well, for his legacy now as the new GM um, instead of just trying to have to kind of do whatever it is that Dame wants. Obviously, selfishly, I think we all want Dame to stay. I think we all could probably agree with that. Um, But Dame deserves to go somewhere where he can get a chance to win a championship. He's done just about everything else in his career. And again, I do think that after drafting Scoot Henderson and not trading away that pick, that kind of said something. It was kind of telling in a way. Your own position. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was kind of telling that hey, a rebuild is probably what is the best move for the franchise and he wouldn't be a bad player to do it with your brother just sat down next to you he's the the one the only the boy ltd yes <laughs> indeed living the dream right. shooter the game shooter how we doing you feel talk me? to me talk to me how we it's doing, about man? time since i had a really badass Facts. nickname you so. know it there you go appreciate that you heard it here first right? that's right yeah. that's right you, you coined it it's really good to see you again and, and, and pounce as well you yes, guys sir. are a dynamic duo yeah and, How's yeah. the golf out there? You're, you're joining us as you're making uh, – we're in the early stages. You just finished the first hole. Birdie so, on the first hole. Birdie. We, we love a scramble. <laughs> Best ball, baby. We Best love ball. A scramble, yep. Who sank the putt? Oh, man. PSU Athletic Director. Oh. Johnson. Yeah. Jay Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. My boss. The box That's my and, boss over yeah. there, man. That's, That's right. my boss over there at PSU. Signing yeah. checks, <laughs> uh, we, we in the game. That's right. And, mm-hmm. hey, speaking of the game, you're in the rap game. You've been in it for a while. Yep. Uh, what's the latest with that? And uh, how's everything going, man? man it's similar to, to your brother, Pounce. I was, every time I'm on Instagram, I'm seeing something cool that you're doing. Yeah, no, it's really good, actually. Um, as you know, I started a branding company during the pandemic. Right? Once all the shows kind of ceased and we didn't know when I was coming back. So um, I actually just booked my first headlining show, August 31st. So it's been over two years, so a mm. long time coming. But we stayed in the studio. We made new music. And um, I'm excited to get back on stage and in front of the people. So, uh, yeah. We we not stopping. The name of the branding company for those that don't know is Living the Dream, baby. That's Living right. the Dream that's Branding right. Company. That's what we doing out here at the reserve right yeah. now. And that is on brand. Yeah, you know, for sure. So it's everything. been cool too to just kind of be exposed.
goes to all the businesses local and you know people back home in california where we're doing a lot of the custom screen printing and embroidery and even helping people just start up brands we just launched a golf brand called low-key golf so it's been cool to that's be a part nice. of the creative structure of you know behind the scenes and stuff so it's that, tight that's nice that yeah. fits yeah it Low works key golf. Low key golf, Low key golf you know what <laughs> i mean in on that. everybody can't play at the reserve and spin hunting yeah. around you know but it's like we can get you in man we can get you some putt putt in learn how to chip and just kind of get introduced to the game i can build a cup in my backyard and that's right start yeah. working on my game with a little low-key golf get it. you get it that's what's all, you know what I find uh, awesome is you know you you Du Bois came up in in, in the music like you right. were the first in the music niche between right. the two of you yeah. yeah well maybe I don't know actually I, but yeah, I always sure, associate yeah, sure. Devon with sports and and media yeah. and the the wake up and win podcast yeah, yeah. is still friggin fantastic I love yeah. listening to it appreciate yeah. it and now but Devon you're pretty strong in the music space too I with am. everything you're going from a DJ mm -hmm. standpoint yeah what's that been like yeah no it's been crazy you know I DJ at a lot of places here locally and portland um you know as you know obviously i got a strong sports background media background and i still do that but that's more seasonal in a lot of ways you know fall once college football comes around i'll be broadcasting with pacific football and then when basketball Boxers. that's right baby we'll, we'll be on coin six this year too so it'll Ooh, be cool that's to get awesome. some, some that's tv air time yeah and then uh and then once basketball season comes around i'm really busy with that because i'm calling the games you know as the color analyst for portland state but i'm also the play-by-play -play for Pacific men's mm. and women's basketball. So I'm super busy doing that during, like, you know, yeah. the fall and winter months. But in the summer, I get to spin music, DJ, and, and I'm, like, really, really booked and busy now doing that. So um, I'm a, booked out from for a, the rest of the summer for that's sure. That's incredible. That's incredible. From a skill set standpoint, have you seen yourself kind of refine and, and keep getting better in the DJ mm -hmm. world? Oh, like, yeah. With, with the reps over sure. time? Oh, yeah. I, I've gotten I've, – I've made, like, leaps and bounds um, in the DJ world. What I started, this? How do you I, get good at that? I, I started no off idea. as a KJ <laughs> when I was in college. You know, you're a college athlete, student athlete athlete broke yeah. college kid finding a little hustle pre, as a local bar yeah yeah pre-nil <laughs> you know what i'm saying so I, I had like a local bar that was nearby my university i went to pacific university out in forest grove and i used to kj there and then really what helped me a lot was the pandemic i just didn't have as much to do um gigs ran dry kj gigs it is more so they ran dry and uh i had a homie who's a legit dj and he's been doing it for like decades and i just would go over his house during the pandemic and hopefully we didn't pass nothing along back and forth to each other but he did pass me <laughs> some tricks some and skills, tips huh? and uh and i got like tremendously good and yeah. so now like i said every every time i turn around like i'm getting book for another dj gig so it's definitely cool i love music so that helps and uh and yeah no I, i've actually gotten really good at the thing i still got a long way to go you can always get better but mm -hmm. i've made crazy improvement you're still involved with street roots as I well am. how's that been going it's been good still the vendor program director there still you know write for him host the street street roots podcast and so you know i get to get more of my political bag and you know it's interesting because i started off obviously just strictly politics because that's what what we more so do over there um but once i really kind of got my footing with with the advocacy work that i do um and began to obviously create a, a lot of connections in the political space um 
I started to be able to bring my interest, which is sports, obviously, into that. So I've been able to do a lot of work with, like, Senator Wyden, for example, right. on uh, trying to bring this WNBA team here to Portland. and Keep um, up that work. Baby. Yeah, for sure. For Super sure. busy, huh? A whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I was able to, you know, do some stuff back when, you know, Brittany Griner was detained in Russia. And so now I'm able to, like, weave politics and sports in a real way because I've had a platform in each of those, and I kind of kept them separate initially. But now, you know, I've got some good grounding and good footing in both to where I'm just intersecting them and making it happen. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I know we, we got your mid-round. Oh, you're so good. You're yeah. good. Making it turn. Just as long as they don't leave us. I probably think they don't need us no way. Right, right. Definitely not me. Maybe, maybe low-key golf over here, but uh, exactly. I'm high-key trash. So. <laughs> Thank you. I got to ask you about your, your uh, mutual connection in E40 because right. yeah. he was going to all the big games. He was at some Kings games. I know there was some drama in there with one of the Kings yeah. games. Yeah. But you guys both know the man. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's such a cool connection to have. Right. What's that like? I mean, first off, it was a blessing to do a song with him. Like, That's right. Us collaborating and making a song together, that really opened up a lot of doors future for me. So me knowing him and being able to be around him multiple times on different occasions, talk to him, uh, he was having a good time there. I know that for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, He's a warrior. He's a season ticket holder. You know, front row 40 is what they call him. So he gets a lot of TV time. You see him at pretty much every game unless he's somewhere traveling, doing a show or something where the schedules clash. So I just think the Kings didn't show him no love, man. They didn't care about he's a, how he's you, a legend. Man. He's a legend yeah. for yeah. sure, but I don't think they cared about that. Well, he, you know, he's not a King season ticket holder, so yeah. abide by the rules or get up out of here. Those Kings, man, they haven't made the playoffs for so <laughs> yep, long. Exactly. That's all they're doing. That was right, the highlight right, right. of their decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying, man. Maybe like, two. Yeah. You gotta act <laughs> like you've been there before. Yeah, they don't, they don't even know, man. But right. they, they haven't been there in a long time, so and they, they don't know how. petty for standing up in front of somebody during the game and kick him out. I don't know about that. I don't agree, but yeah, I mean in the Bay they call him Sacramento Queen, so that's another. You feel me? It's great to see you guys, both of you, boy and yeah. uh, Devon, man, yeah. it's great to see you. You're one of my favorite people in the world. Oh, man, man I, I you miss as well. You. Likewise. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Like I said, seeing so many familiar faces, the lifetime relationships made from my time here at 750, like, you know, regardless of how things ended, like, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't nearly matter as nearly as much as the relationships made while I was here. So that's I'm glad to be here back. today. Behind the scenes yeah. stuff that we don't talk about often enough, but yeah. it's, it's important, man. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the connections are always long time, at least with, with your coworkers and, yeah. and your friends. Absolutely. That's, that's how it is. But we love you. Thanks for being out here, raising money some. for a good cause. Yeah, thanks for having us. Du Bois, living the dream. It, man. You yes, know sir. it. Devon Pouncey. All right, That's we right out. As well. Yep. Living the dream at Devon Pouncey right there. Man, those are uh, two cool guys right there, Judah. Man, they uh, they can really uh, tell some stories, too. I, li- I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, the E-40 uh, story, because when, when he got tossed out of Sacramento, that was a big deal at Huge the time. Deal, yeah. And I, I, the two guys I immediately thought of were these guys, because they know him pretty well. So uh, I loved getting their vantage point on that. Like, <laughs> he was probably having a really good time, but, uh, you know, come on, Sacramento. I, I agree. Handle your business. That's that's what I'm saying, dude. You haven't made the playoffs for so long. They're just trying to make some noise, Sacramento. I had the Kings in the series, so I'm mad at them. They lost, you know, they lose game seven at home. I had the Kings in the series. Get out of here, Sacramento. Don't come back. What do you think of when you think of E40 uh, song wise? Uh, tell me when to go. Oh, really? Interesting. I got you and that for me. It's either that or Yay Area because, uh, you know, the song they're like, Yay Area. When I was at Concordia, we would always change it and we would all yell, Concordia. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, it's either those two songs. But tell me when to go. Like, 
Uh, we, you know, well, that was when I was in high school, so we were always just ghost riding and stuff. Oh, that's see, that's ghost what cool kids do. That's what we did. We had the flip, we had the flip phones. We're ghost riding our whips. I can't remember if this is the instrumental version or the full version, so we're about to find out, and I might have to dump it. Oh, it's instrumental. instrumental. Thank All goodness. right, we're good. <laughs> On that, we'll take a break here. Keep phony. We'll take a break here. Come back. Uh, we'll do some more uh, sports news here on the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. NBA free agency is a long and kick in. Start at three o'clock today. Blazers not doing a lot. They're doing the meme where, you know, you poke it and you say, come on, do something. That's what the Blazers are doing right now. They're doing nothing. Do something, Portland. That's what we want. But uh, Jeremy Grant coming back to Portland five years, $160 million. That's the big news here for the Portland Trailblazers as they will bring back Jeremy Grant. Now there's other, you know, other rumors out there. Max Struess may be a guy. Aaron Gordon may be a guy. I've heard some guards that Portland Trailblazers are interested in, but no deals as of yet. Uh, a lot of things that still could happen. But Blazers, nothing yet as of now. We'll keep you updated on that. But um, there is some news. Judah in the Pac-12 today as San Diego State. Uh, this was reported earlier today. John Canzano, he tweeted out his thought about it. Go ahead and read that as well. I'll read you that as well. But um, it was first reported by Pete Thamel that San Diego State, they will not be notifying the Mountain West of a departure and that they are planning on staying in the Mountain West going forward. Now, what does that mean? You know, we kind of thought that San Diego State was going to be moving to the Pac-12. Um, as John Canzano points out on his Twitter account, the options for San Diego State are A, stay in the Mountain West. B, stay now but give notice by next June 30th and join the Pac-12 in 2025. Or C, hand over $33.5 million fee to join the Pac-12 in 2024. Now, in my mind... Option C is out the window. Like I don't see San Diego State any scenario where they're forking over thirty-three and a half million dollars to join the Pac-12, unless somehow the Pac-12 media deal is just astronomical and comes out of nowhere that we're not expecting. Options A and B seem like they could happen. San Diego State stays in the Mountain West, or they wait till next June thirtieth and they join the Pac-12 then, or they look to join somebody else. But Judah, we talked about Brett Yormark earlier in the show and how he wants the Big Twelve to be at 14 teams. Ideally that fits this timeline for the big 12 because they're going to lose Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to be down to 12 teams again after next season. If San Diego state makes a move, San Diego state. Now we thought it was kind of a given. They're going to the pac 12. Is this another bad mark on the pac 12 where they could lose out on San Diego state as they go to the big 12 now? Like what is the pac 12 doing? Yeah, it's not great. Not great, Bob. Um, if, and there would be nothing that Brett, your Mark would love more than to poach the team that was linked for ever a year yeah. with the Pac-12 conference. I mean, as in soon San as Diego the USC-UCLA news broke, it was San Diego State to the Pac-12. Easy. And they just went to the national championship game in basketball. We we're going to assume and give them benefit of the doubt that they have something sustainable going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Dutcher, I think. In, yeah, I mean, they've Mount been West. a really good program. Look, that fits your Mark's basketball thread that he's pulling on, too. And, boy, I think... I don't know. You told me the news earlier today, and I was like, what? Because in my head, I just thought it was a given. I thought it was a given that it was San Diego State and SMU that, you know, hell or high water, the Aztecs were going to find their way to the Pac-12. Now they still could. 
Today's news, though, feels a little bit more than just something cosmetic. It, it does feel like it's it's more of an L for the Pac-12 right now than I would have thought a week ago. I, I, the other question that it brought up to me was, so let's just say, okay, San Diego State, they can't make a move till next year, right? Like, they're not going to make a move if they're going to make the Pac-12. Does that mean SMU, they're still going to be looking to go to the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is not going to bring one school over. Could SMU be the headline school that they bring over? It was always thought San Diego State... They're that school that you bring in headline-wise. Yeah. Is it SMU and well, somebody could bring else now? Up, could they bring SMU just for one year and then add that 12? Like, how bad is it to be a Pac-11 for one year I if mean, you're ultimately trying to have the end goal in sight? I, I mean, it looks think, weird, but... It looks weird. I don't think it's, it's bad, but it just seems like the Pac-12 wouldn't do that. I don't know. It, maybe they do, but I, it does seem like uh, expansion is questioned now in the Pac-12. I will right, we'll take a break. we come back. we got the 5 and 5, the happy hour on this wonderful Friday here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Hour 3 is the happy hour every time here on the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Judah Newby with me as well, helping me fill in for John Canzano. Has a big day, been a big day so far. A lot of news actually here on a Friday. NBA free agency has started. San Diego State alerts the Mountain West that they're going to be staying for the time being. Kind of weird. We still haven't talked about the ESPN layoffs. I want to get to that a little bit. A lot of stuff that's happened today, Jude. I can't believe how newsy today actually has been. It's it's yeah. very unlike uh, very unlike a summer summer Friday. There's not much going on. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. Tell you what, we got to fill in for JC on draft day, day after the draft, mm. yesterday at the golf tournament, today on a big news, free June agency 30th, day. free agency day. Be a bunch of days in July where we're anchoring it down to. Uh, we're kind of lucky, man. We get a lot of content. Can we continue this going? Uh, oh yeah, throughout the summer. Just, I think so. Let's have big news days every day we're in. Make and if there isn't easier. big news, we'll make it up, like uh, some of the morning shows out there already. To start arguing with yeah. each other. We'll do our best Stephen A. takes. Uh, I can't. I can't. Okay, it. maybe we don't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't fake it. If I if I'm passionate about something, I'll I'll be passionate. But I can't That's fake true. I can't fake the passion. It's you don't just, strike me as a faux passion no, guy. You can't you can't fake passion. I'm Maybe authentic. Stevens with a ph. See that's the thing. They Steven, can fake it. He's Stephen A. Smith, but it's oh it's you are Stephen, right. It's Stephen A. Smith. It is Stephen A. Smith. That hits differently. If he goes by Stephen A. Smith, he's like the prime example of Stephen Ph. That's just not allowed because you can't call him Steve. He, he's not a Steve. You could and everybody calls him Stephen A. Well, that's how important it is. Let's, let's go ahead and call him Stephen A. I'm Stephen, from now on. I'm Stephen A. Vaughn. He's Stephen A. Stephen A. Vaughn here. Stephen A. Vaughn. What's your middle name? It's Mark, but... Oh, okay. It would be sick if it wasn't A. That's right. I would go by Stephen A. Vaughn just to... Stephen A. Vaughn does sound pretty sweet. Thank you. It's it's the, you know, the rhythm of the syllables. Because Stephen M. Vaughn doesn't, doesn't sound as good, but... It sounds good. Stephen A. Vaughn. Stephen A. Vaughn. Stephen A. Vaughn here on the bald face. Drew, it's really nice. For, yeah, dude. Well, that's, you know why it is. It's because of the, you know, musician that you never want to be compared to. Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray Vaughn. That's the same kind of, you know, rhythm to it. Yeah. But well, I still like Stephen A. Vaughn. If you have a really great, impassioned take, I'll call you Stephen A. Vaughn. Well, see, I'm a fan, and my wife and me, we both did this when we named our kids. See, you have Judah Newbie. You're four syllables. Judah Newbie. See? <laughs> you got the clap with it, though. That's the first see, time I, and last time I've ever done that. See, I, I like the three. Stephen Vaughn. The hard Vaughn, one syllable, seven letters. That's an actual thing. Like, the first name, two syllables, last name, one syllable, Michael Vick. Michael Phelps. I don't know why it's always Michael, but 
like that's a thing. Like those are badass names. Like some of the great names of athletes, and yourself included, are the two syllable first names, one syllable last name, just because it comes off the top. One of my sneaky takes is like the whatever your name is, your name is a huge deal in life. We talked about with Scoot Henderson. Yeah. I misspelled his name and called him Scott Henderson and like re- had to respell it so many times before the draft and will continue to do so. If his name was Scott Henderson, you know, he's out of the lottery. Well, his name is Sterling Henderson, but he goes by Scoot. If That's true. If he's Sterling, the Blazers select Sterling Henderson. Good thing he goes by Scoot. Scoot is so much cool. I'm with you. And I did I did learn that he's named Scoot because he's like the seventh of eight kids or something like that. He's one of the youngest of a lot of kids in his family, and he was just, out of all of the kids, he scooted across the floor as a toddler with, like, rapid speed. So his parents just started calling him Scoot, and it ended up being a great nickname. Well, think about, like, LeBron. Like, LeBron has a sick name. That's a pretty, like, I like mean. Magic Johnson, you go by Magic if it's, well, I mean, it's name, Irvin, but, but no one calls him Irvin. Like Irvin Johnson is They fine. call him Irvin because that's still a good name, but that's for the, like, the really sophisticated world. You know, they'll go you know, the official See, name, the I, Irvin I think Johnson. Irvin's not a great name. It's not as good as Magic. No one's as good as Magic. Shaq. Shaq's pretty freaking great. Like, you get, yeah, that's the thing. You got to have a cool the name. The name really does like, matter. Like, Yama is a cool name. Yeah. Now, if he comes up with a cool nickname, he's going to be even better. But yeah, they're I'm trying to do that on the Dan Patrick show. Come up with a good w- nickname for Victor Wembanyama. It's got to be natural, though. The natural no. Brandon Roy, your yeah. favorite nickname of all time. Stop it. Stop that. I <laughs> will say, uh, you know, Du Bois living the dream gave me a good nickname at the uh, golf tournament <laughs> yesterday. I'd not ever heard. What do you say? He said. He said. Uh, Judah, the big game shooter, or yeah. something like that. But the way he said it was way cooler. Way cooler. <laughs> And uh, with that, this is uh, was where we do the five and five. The five biggest stories Judah's going to tell me. We do it every day. Here it is. The five and five. All right, Judah. Judah, the big game shooter. Give me number one. That's so nice. Thanks. Uh, we'll just start where the main action's at, and that's NBA free agency right now. What are the Trailblazers doing? Well, so far they've waived Trendon Watford to save $1.8 million. They've seen Drew Eubanks go to Phoenix on a two-year deal. But they re-signed Jeremy Grant. Five years, $160 million. Stephen, A, your take on the Jeremy Grant deal. And B, do you expect Portland to do much of anything over the next day or two? Well, the Jeremy Grant deal, $32 million seems like a lot to me. Um, I, I was hoping it would be less, but I understood why it would be $32 million. Like that, it, It's one of those deals where... You talked about this earlier, Judah. It's It was a handshake agreement throughout the season. Like Everyone knew Jeremy Graham was coming back. He held all the leverage. I don't blame him for taking all the money, but man, $32 million for a guy who, if he's your third best player, can you really be a contender? Can you really be that team that Dame wants to have and have a shot? I, I don't know if that's the case, but you know, they bring him back. That, to me, screams that the Blazers are still trying to build around Damian Lillard, but they haven't made any other moves after that. Drew Eubanks to Phoenix, like, I never, you know, I like Drew Eubanks for what he does. What he does well is he dunks really hard and he blocks a lot of shots. And that's what he does well. That's the end of the list. But he does that really well and he finishes inside as well. Uh, Defensively, he's not great, but I think in Phoenix, he doesn't have to be great. He's going to fill just a certain role as a backup. I'm excited to see how he fits in with that team. And, you know, Phoenix is a team that's going to be competing for a title. So happy for Drew. Uh, you know, he's a great dude, uh, Oregon State guy, happy for that. And then Trent Watford being waived, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher, I'll be honest, but, you know, he's not he's not a great player. Like, he's fine. He's a decent, almost role player. 
Like he's not quite a role player, so it doesn't. It makes sense. Like you don't need him. I think Portland thinks they can upgrade that spot. They thought just get rid of him now, see what happens later. But I expect Portland to be somewhat busy. Um, whether that is trading for somebody or signing somebody, they got to do something, right? I mean, yeah. Or else Dame's gonna legit ask out, and maybe that's what they want. But it seems like Portland's got to do something within the next couple, you know, couple days. And I think that they will. I don't know if it's gonna be the big splash that everyone hopes it's for. But I think Portland's going to do a deal. You know, Jeremy Grant, a little overpaid, but he's back in Portland. It's going to make the team better, at least for next season. Number uh, two. Yeah, right, unless you want to add. No, just 1B, I guess, would be the other free agent moves, like Kyrie going back to Dallas on the three-year deal, Chris Middleton back with Milwaukee. That actually shocked me. I, I what did you think about that? I heard Middleton was going to leave and go to a different team, so I was a little shocked when I heard he was coming back uh, to Milwaukee. I think it's a good pickup for the Bucks, and they'll be back be as a contender next season, even though they had that first round exit, they'll be back. Uh, Kyrie, three years, 123 million. It's a lot again for Kyrie. Player option, it seems like it's going to be one of those deals where he's going to take that player option that third season. But again, just like Jeremy Grant, Kyrie held all the leverage. And Dallas wasn't going to lose him for nothing when you trade all those assets for him. Portland wasn't going to lose Jeremy Grant for nothing when you have a guy who is a good player. So you re-sign him to a big deal. Makes sense from that point. I don't know how much it necessarily works in Dallas, but uh, that's the way it goes in the NBA. You, you don't want to lose a, you lose an asset for nothing. And so it does make sense why the Blazers bring back German Grant and the Mavericks bring back Kyrie. It, uh, Bobby Marks says that Portland's now a projected $15 million below the luxury tax with 11 players under contract and Matisse Teibel being their key restricted free agent still to come. Makes right, sense. Number, number two. two, those ESPN layoffs. Uh, this was a big deal, man. A lot of people laid off at ESPN today that are highly visible, highly public. Uh, Steve Young was the first one that got my attention uh, because, A, he's Steve Young. B, he was part of the Monday Night Football Countdown crew. He'd pop on NFL Live. He was just a really good you know, uh, voice on the NFL. Susie Colbert among the layoffs. 27 years at ESPN. And then other names. Todd McShay. Big-time draft analyst, draft guru. They decided to keep Mel Kuyper and let Todd McShay walk. And then uh, Jalen Rose and Jeff Van Gundy out of the basketball circles. And David Pollock uh, from College Game Day and the college football you know, platforms at ESPN. A lot of really talented people and notable people let go by the mothership today, Steve. And it signals a big change for, out of uh, Bristol. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Shocking. You know, Jeff Van Gundy, I thought was a big one. I like Jeff Van Gundy. I think he's a good analyst. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. The NBA Finals going forward next season. Mark Jackson, probably Doris Burke, I imagine, gets the call up. Uh, you talk about Todd McShay. I love Todd McShay. I think he's I think he's great. Um, it, I think I, it's a lot of losses, a lot of big name losses. And ESPN, they're doing this thing where they're bringing in McAfee. They're paying him a bunch of money. They're paying Stephen A. Smith a bunch of money. Are they going to go up to Shannon Sharp? Is that what this deal is? Is that what that means? They're bringing in the money for Shannon Sharp. I don't know, but to me, it signals you know, Sports Center has always been it's it's been you know irrelevant for years now, and I think they're really embracing that and they're saying you know what we don't need to have all these all this talent. We need to have a couple really good shows, a couple really you know headline things day by day, and I think they're going to do that with McAfee. They come up with a couple other shows, first take, and they're going to try to have a lineup that they bring out every single day, and then go very cheap at Sports Center on night like they have been. You know, SVP is great, but you know, I thought a couple of the layoffs is going to be big. It's going to hurt them uh, in the long run. But 
it seems to me, Judah, they're going to be going after Shannon Sharp. That that was what I that's what I took away from this. Probably correct. You know, when they got Stephen A. to the big deal, they let go of a bunch of people right before that or right after that. I'm not sure which, but like Stephen A. the most highly paid man in in sports media by far. And then you know, it also just signals to me they're going all in on debate shows, McAfee, and live sports. Yeah. And pretty much anything besides that, they have to cut. And that's what they're doing right now. As they pivot entirely to streaming, I guess it's hard to blame them, but it is fairly cutthroat. They, they, you know, um, they didn't cut some of their bigger football names either. You know, Orlovsky's still there. Mina Kimes still there. They do a lot. Uh, See, would you consider them the bigger football names? I mean, like I do. I, I mean, because I like me and I like Dan. I would but to they're, me, they're kind of lucky to survive this with guys like Pollock out. You know, at college, from the college football standpoint, but like. NFL Live, at least that tells me that show is working for them. Right. And that, that was that's what I was kind of trying to get at. Yeah. That yeah. show is is still a, it's still viable in their daily lineup that they're going to do. So, yeah, I, I think because I, you know, I get I like Mina Kimes. I like What's Jay your Orlowski. favorite part of ESPN right now? <laughs> Live sports. That's I, it. I could do without the debate shows. I, I can, don't even watch ESPN without the live sports, really, unless NFL either, yeah. Live's on in the background, maybe. Yeah, I turn it on in the studio just when they're doing stuff, but I, I'm not really paying attention to it. I'll watch Daily Wager because I'm a gambler at heart. Doug, Doug Kazarian? Doug Kazarian. I love Doug. Yeah, I think I think it's fun. I just like the information. But, no, I mean, I'm not tuning in to ESPN like I once was. And, you know, I think if McAfee, if his show blows up like it already has, maybe you're tuned into that. I don't know. It, it, it seems like – I think it's smart what ESPN is doing. They're going with the high – the high marketable guys and gals, right? Like that's what they're going to do. And they're going to pay them a lot of money and then go with the lesser talent as well. But, you know, I made the joke due to like, we need to get our resumes ready. We can be a, yeah. uh, you know, smaller talent at ESPN and hopefully make a little money. It reminds me a lot of the Phoenix Suns roster uh, philosophy. Yeah. Just go with stars the, and scrubs. That's what the ESPN is doing. I'll be the Drew Eubanks at ESPN. No problem. <laughs> Two right. year deal with a player option. All right, Drew. Number um, three. Yeah. Number three. Uh, Blazer <laughs> summer league roster came out today. Hey, you got scooter. You got Chris Murray, you got Ryan Rupert, right. you got Jabari Walker, Ibu Baji, John Butler Jr., Keon Johnson, uh, a handful of others as well. Oh, John Christ uh, Kamaji. He used to play with Ben Simmons in high school. Mm. I remember that. They were at the LSI together. He's seven foot four, Damn. so he'll be on the Blazers Summer League roster. But notably, Shaden Sharp on the Blazers Summer League roster. What do you make of Shaden being there, Steve? I was a little surprised, I'll be honest. You know, Shaden Sharp, he proved... He proved he belongs in the NBA, right? Last season, the with the way he played, and especially the way he finished the season. When he got the ball and we came the guy, Shane Sharp was a force to be reckoned with. You look at you know the last ten games of the season, Shane Sharp averaged just under twenty four points a game, shot forty six percent from the field, and that's as a nineteen year old. Like he was awesome. And I thought maybe that might have been enough to not keep him on the roster. I would be shocked if he starts the summer league and finishes the summer league. I could see him maybe playing a game, maybe two. But at some point, they will you know, rest him and not risk injury because he did get hurt, Judah. He yeah. got hurt in game one last season, about three minutes in, missed all the rest of the summer league. Something like a finger or something it's, like that? Just something weird. Yeah, it I is just, weird. I just, I don't, I don't want to, it's, it's not one of those things where you just want to risk it. Like, we've seen the guy play in the regular season. We don't need to see him play in summer league. He showed he can score. I would rather let Scoot do his thing. Let's see what he can do. But I was a little surprised he's shading on the summer league roster. But it just, I think it more means that, He'll be practicing with the guys. He'll be practicing with these young guys. Him and Scoot can, you know, get a little bit of the chemistry going in that practice. So I don't hate it. I'm not mad about it. I just don't expect Shane Sharp to play a lot in the summer league. Number four. Number four, a little bit baseball, huh? Has a yeah. little palate cleanser. Let's this go. was fun to see. Oh, yeah. 
In the air, left field. Did he get it? Gone! Magical! He juices it out into the bleachers. Well, former Oregon State Beaver Nick Madrigal hit his first home run as a member of the Chicago Cubs today, and they beat Cleveland 10-1. to Madrigal uh, started his career with the Chicago White Sox, was traded across town uh, a couple summers ago. He had some injury stuff, a bad hammy, etc., that uh, has kept him from really hitting his stride with Chicago. He's kind of been a role player, utility player around the infield, but steps up today and uh, is able to hit a big home run against one of his former teammates, Stephen Kwan, in, in Cleveland today. Nick Madrigal, I mean, fourth pick in the draft. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's it's not saying he's had a disappointing career because he's been solid in the in the major leagues, like you said, but just hasn't really stayed healthy as much as he can. Came up in the majors, you know, with the White Sox and had two really good years. You know, played uh, 29 games in that COVID season, 340 average. The next season, he only played 54 games, but he batted 305. Like, that's what he does. He doesn't strike out very much. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate. He's still only 26 years old. So, you know, he's still got a chance to really become a good fielding second baseman, a good average guy. But a lot of times now in major leagues, I mean, it's not about that average and magical is not an on base guy he's not a power guy so where does he fit in the major leagues will be interesting but good to see him get going hit a home run today and uh you wish the best because he was awesome at oregon state that oregon state squad winning it all him and adley i mean think about that you got the fourth pick you got the first pick and adley rushman we see what he does you love that oregon state team yeah by the way the they won in 2018 like you're referencing and had Arkansas caught that pop-up and won that series, that would have been six straight SEC national championships in baseball. Trevor Larnick on that team, too. Yeah, First Larnick was pick. great. I think Rasmussen was still there as well. I mean, that, it's going, a great, going great back squad. To that game, Kevin Abel. Remember back, Kevin Abel just couldn't be stopped. Going back to that game, <laughs> when they dropped that foul ball, you knew it was a base Oof. hit. You yep. knew, I mean, that, that, is, that was a hit. It was great. You, you uh... Yeah, was, it it was, not, was that Larnick? Or it was, was Larnick. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It was that, Larnick. Was, that was Larnick at the plate, got that base hit. I remember no, I was great. calling games that summer for the Portland Pickles West Coast League, and it, <laughs> I think uh, that forced a game three, didn't it, that, that game two win? And then Oregon State uh, ended up winning that third game. And we, him, yeah. we watched that. We It was Portland Pickles were playing the Corvallis Knights at Goss Stadium, and we watched it on the video board and had Mike Parker's radio call sync to it. We didn't even start our game for like another half hour so that we could finish watching Oregon State win the national championship at while we were at Goss Stadium at Coleman Field getting ready for our West Coast League game. That was a, that was a top memory and great to hear Mike Parker on the call. I like that. I like, you know what, the priorities. Yeah. No offense to the Pickles and the Corvallis Knights, but Oregon State in the national title game, come it was, on. It was pretty sweet. You got to get that going. I, I, that. I like that. All right, number five. Judith. Number five. This came out yesterday. I don't think we got to it, though, but J.J. Watt is joining CBS Sports as an analyst. Did you see this? I know it's broadcasting news, so it caught my eye. But uh, J.J. Watt, it's been a busy month for him, and he is coming to CBS Sports as one of their NFL analysts. It's been an offseason that uh, has included him becoming a minority investor in Burnley Football Club, an English association soccer club in uh, Lancashire of the uh, Premier League. They've just been promoted to the Premier League, and now he has uh, joined CBS to be one of their NFL analysts this year. Big fan of this. I think he's got good potential to be a really good analyst. J.J. Watt has a, a very interesting career when it comes to, like, fans. Yeah. He came into the league. You know, we didn't expect much out of him. became uh, J.J. Swat, and he's swatting all the balls. Defensive player of the year. We love him, right? And then he's posting all these workout videos and, you know, stay humble, be blessed, all this kind of stuff. 
No, we hate him. Now you know, I don't he, remember that part. You don't remember this part? This was a huge part of his career. Well, I, you know, I was probably before I was big on social media. See, I'll, see, I'm always a part of the hate. You are, uh, yeah. You'll I, find I, the hate. I find the hate anywhere yeah. it's out there. But and then people start loving at the end of his career because you know he's just an like awesome player, right? One of the best defensive players ever. Family guy. Uh, I think Hard Knocks on the Cardinals. He was awesome in that. He's been interviewed a lot since he retired. You know, Dan Patrick does some stuff with him. Yeah, he does good. He does good on the radio. He does good on TV. So I'm with you. I think I think he has the potential to be a really good one. We've seen some guys recently, Greg Olson uh, in particular, that have come out just out of retirement. Tony Romo, even that first season, come out of retirement and been really good. I think J.J. Watt's got a chance to do that as well. just depends on where he gets put, who he gets put with. But, yeah, I like it. I think uh, I think he fits a spot at CBS that they uh, could use him. It will be interesting to see like which team he gets paired with in terms of like on the hierarchy of the, the CBS crew because you know it's Jim and Tony. But I don't even think Jim and Tony aren't CBS's best pairing anymore, just no. because Tony doesn't try and he doesn't do his homework anymore. He's just resting on his laurels of being able to predict plays from his first couple of seasons. Don't you think that Jim was is half asleep don't and then Tony? Don't you think they, nah, they? I think Tony knows what he's talking about most of the time. They were feeding him information. You think so? Yeah. Oh well. You don't think you, so? You can sniff out the hate again. I'm, contra- that. I'm controversial. I again. I think he was able to nail some things early on, and then he just rested on his laurels. And all the reports that have come out since about him just like not caring and getting paid a lot of money, I think are probably accurate. <laughs> he just strikes me as that guy that just doesn't care, you know, as much as he probably should. And. So that there leaves a lot of room after Tony Romo for great analysts to be great. Greg Olson, I think, capitalized on that. We'll see how Tom Brady does when he joins the booth. And J.J. Watt now brings that defensive presence. Yeah. You know, we always are used to seeing the quarterbacks being the analysts, but I think J.J. Watt will be a great analyst bringing that defensive muscle and acumen. Maybe he can shine, shine some light on the line of scrimmage battles that we might not otherwise uh, cast a spotlight on. Who do you think has a higher ceiling to be a better analyst, J.J. Watt or Tom Brady? Ooh, probably Brady has the higher ceiling, but so? I just don't know if he can get there. You know, maybe Watt, but I think Brady being the quarterback, he'll just be able to see more things that will help an audience more than J.J. Watt. But he's not – is Brady going to come across as just a either – There's higher probability that Brady will be less compelling than J.J. Watt I feel like and Brady... less entertaining, but for the ceiling and the potential, because he's the best quarterback that's ever lived – there, he has a higher ceiling as an analyst if he can reach it. I don't know. You know, he might not be able to reach it, but I think he's definitely got a higher ceiling. Give me JJ Watt. Watt. I'll take JJ Watt to be the better analyst. I think Brady is <laughs> going to come across either just like a goofball, like he's just trying. He's trying too hard, or just not very good. Yeah, could be. I, I think it's going to be JJ Watt. I think. I think he's going to come across likable. He, he really. He gave, will be likable. He's very likable, and I think that'll come across. That is the five at five. Coming up next. I want to talk a little bit more about the ESPN layoffs. We've touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. What does it mean for ESPN? What does it mean for Broad? I want to talk about that. Coming up next, I'm Stephen Vaughn on the Bald Face Truth. Bald Face Truth, Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. I'm with Judah Newby as well. It's almost the weekend. Feeling good. Beautiful day out here Friday. Beautiful day yesterday out at the reserve for the BFT Golf Charity Tournament. PFD, BFT Foundation, uh, just a great day helping out everybody there. It was a fun to just talk to a bunch of celebrities, uh, hear what they have to say, see them golf in an environment where you know it's laid back but competitive at the same time. That's That was my big takeaway is that you, know, you get these people out on a golf course, and yeah, it's for charity, and yeah, it's for the good cause, but these people, they want to win, and they get competitive, and it's really fun to watch uh, go in that as well. But I want to talk about uh, ESPN a little bit here, Judah. ESPN, 
They have uh, gone through a lot of layoffs lately, some people behind the scenes, and now today, uh, here on June 30th, calling it a Black Friday over in Bristol, Connecticut, as they have laid off a lot of employees, a lot of uh, the talent that they have there, uh, including some of these guys that I'm going to name off here, Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, Todd McShay, Matt Hasselbeck, Ashley Brewer, Sports Center anchor, Susie Colber, who has been with ESPN since 1993. Susie Colbert, she is a legend, man. She is a legend. That, you know, everyone likes her. Steve Young, LaFonso Ellis, June Lee, really good baseball writer. He announced that he has been uh, let go. David Pollock, a lot of people been laid off at ESPN. And I really think that it, they're they're gunning for, you know, they got Pac McAfee coming in. And it seems like he's going to be a perfect fit for college game day. Just replace David Pollock. He was already on it last season, but you know, and now he'll be on it all the time. They're gonna, you know, use McAfee in so many different spots on ESPN. He'll be the face, him and Stephen A. Smith, basically. But they're going with the high-end talent. You know, they're going all in with Stephen A. Smith, Pat McAfee. They're gonna be all over the ESPN broad broadcasts, and they're really getting rid of a lot of their analysts. But they're going away from, you know, the sports center type shows, and they're going with, you know, the debate shows, the talk shows, you know. Stephen A, he, he's going to have debate shows with everybody. Are they going to bring in Shannon Sharp with him as well? Pat McAfee, they'll have his show on for three hours, but then they'll replay a lot of his cuts, I think. Is this just, is this just the way the, the sports business or sports entertainment industry is going, where they're going with you know the higher-end talent rather than having a you know quantity or quality over quantity basically now at ESPN? Or is this just ESPN trying something different? Because we, you know we've seen... FS1, they've picked up a lot of people and they have a lot of different debate shows, but it doesn't necessarily have the quality that ESPN is going for with McAfee and Stephen A. Smith. Well, yeah, I mean, quality from a standpoint of, you know, they, uh, they're big names. Paid handsomely. Paid handsomely. You know what's interesting to me is like, how do you get your sports content these days, Stephen, as a sports fan? Well, it's just Twitter usually. It's mostly Twitter. Mostly Twitter. I mean, if it's the NBA, it's Woj, who's with ESPN as well. So, like, they pay him a lot of money. You know, it's Woj tweets. Yeah. Is it, like, much, is it much like written word? That's my thing. It's like it's, It seems like people, all they want are, well, ESPN is telling you that all you want is, breaking is news. either breaking news or video clips. And that's pretty much content. It's just video clips of Stephen A. and McAfee. Think of, every time you open up the ESPN app now going forward, it's going to be a news piece, it's going to be a highlight, and then it's going to be a Stephen A. take, and then it's going to be a McAfee take. And that's pretty. That's going to be 80% of your ESPN yeah. app experience. And then the other 20 is going to be Schefter with a Schefter bomb exactly. or Woj, Woj with a Woj bomb. And then they supplement, you know, it, and it all works around their live sports programming, especially with NBA and uh, the NFL, or I guess, you know, uh, college football, pretty much, and that's fine. Like that's fine to me, but it does signal a change that people aren't as interested, or I guess like the in-depth reporting stuff, or like the beat reporting stuff. Like even a guy like uh, Nick Friedel, who yeah. covered the Bulls, covered the Warriors, right? Like he was one of the main kind of NBA writers there too. He got let go today as well. I can't imagine he was like one of the more highly paid guys there, but. I don't know. It's easy to get a little inside baseball with it all, but at the same time, as someone that's aware of the sports content, sports media space, I am paying attention to it, and I'm not sure that I love it, but it also seems like a necessity pivot, you know, at this point for ESPN. The thing that worries me the most 
and being in a spot like Portland, you know, being a Blazer fan, uh, even, you know, to a lesser extent, the Beavers, uh, you know, the Ducks always are going to get national news as well. You know, they're a national brand, but the Beavers aren't, the Blazers aren't. Like, with all these high-paid people, they're only going to be talking about the bigger markets. They're only going to be right. talking about L.A. They're going to be talking about New York. They're going to talk about Florida. I mean, they already they already don't talk about the smaller markets. I think it's going to be even less now because, like you said, they're getting rid of a lot of these beat writers, teams that cover the teams. It's just going to be, hey, bigger, bigger the better, bigger nope. market, yeah. bigger egos, bigger drama. That's what we're going to cover, and we're going to let. It's going to be less about the games and more about the drama, which is what I hate. And I love the fact that when I listen to people or when I talk about sports, it's what's going on on the court. Like that's my favorite part is to yeah. actually watch the games. And I feel like we're getting so far away from it. That's what I worry about is that's all we worry about. Like with my kids, like they're going to grow up and they're going to just want drama. They're going to want the drama of what's happening off the field. And I just want what's on the field. And I'm totally with you there. To me, the on-field stuff's way more interesting. And look, the on-field stuff, people will poo-poo it like, oh, you're just X's and O's box score guy. It's like, uh, no, there's a big difference between being a quote-unquote box score guy and being interested in the action on the field. Like, I, I hate putting it in those those buckets. To me, the on-field stuff matters. It's worth talking about. It's worth you know, uh, enjoying, and that's what creates the narratives is what the players themselves do on the field, what the coaches themselves can accomplish on the field, and that's what matters to me the most. I will say, though, about McAfee is that he is a little bit different than what the ESPN debate shows, you know, have conjured up with the drama and the fake narratives and just embracing that. McAfee is much more laid back and entertaining. I think on its worst day, it's stupid, but on it on a good day, it's funny lighthearted and they do get to a certain level of on-field expertise if you watch it like i've watched the show for for a while now and they will you know run film like on on a monday or a tuesday they'll do a segment where they'll run a bunch of film from the weekend in college football in the nfl and they'll have guys that played in the nfl like aq shipley a longtime offensive lineman and he'll break down why certain plays worked. And I'll do it in a really funny way with some expletives, you know, tossed in there. And I don't know how many expletives they'll be able to carry over to ESPN. But that type of stuff, giving you that level of access and education while doing it in a fun way, that to me is where McAfee's niche in particular has an opportunity to thrive on the ESPN flat platform much in the same way it's already done on YouTube. Whereas Stephen A., he can't hold bootstraps doing that. He just makes stuff up and yells about it. Yeah, just yell. And he's been caught in so many times where you can tell. J.J. Reddick's been a great piece yeah. for, for uh, the Stephen A., you know, uh, reveal. I mean, the Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> when he's talking about uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers playing and Derek Johnson's going to be a big key to the game. It's like, he doesn't play. Thanks, though. Yeah, thanks, though. Maybe in 2014. But, like, to that yeah. point, I'm with you. Like, McAfee, he has caught on to something, right? Like, he has that niche market where he is actually respected enough to talk about X's and O's. He's been around the guys. He's been around a lot of different teams, a lot of different organizations. And he can talk about behind the scenes. But he also talks about what's on the field as well. And, and that's the stuff that I like. And so I, it will be interesting to see how much ESPN allows him to do that because ESPN is very narrative-based. Like, they want to stir some drama up. They want to cause a lot of clicks McAfee doesn't necessarily do things for just clicks, I don't think. Right. And so I want to see what his show looks like. And if that's the case, like, are they going to go full-blown, like, try to be TMZ ESPN? Like, is that what they're going to well, try to do? Well, to me, the, the demographic that watches and enjoys McAfee is incredibly different than the demographic that likes ESPN debate content. And I think that's why ESPN went after McAfee is because they wanted to change their freaking demographic. And they're seeing the swath of people getting rid of cable. And they're like, we have got to find some way to be relevant and then dominant in the streaming space. 
who's the one guy that can help us get there? It's Pat McAfee and the Pat McAfee Show. But McAfee was adamant saying that because I signed with ESPN, I still maintain creative control. I still maintain control of my content, my topics. I will not change whatsoever. Most of me thought that was like, well, are you still going to say F-bombs? Because I don't think you could do that on ESPN. That's kind of a big part of it. You know, for me, like, I I don't really curse, but there's a certain value in being able to be, you know, able to drop an F-bombs wherever for entertainment value. Like, there's there's a linguistic almost power in being able to do that. And to lose that is is key. But then there's the other side of it in being able to maintain your creative control, which is not giving into the narrative-based segments and clips and things like that. They're just going to keep doing their own thing, I hope, and not be steered one way or the other by uh, the other people at ESPN. The other side to it that I think locally we should be aware of is the timing of a Pac-12 ESPN media deal in whatever form that could take. It's been postponed, postponed, postponed. This is the second round of ESPN layoffs since the you know since things have been heating up between potentially ESPN, potentially Fox, Pac-12, and the streaming services, so nothing like I think John Wilner pointed out today, and I think it was you know relevant because of the layoffs today. Nothing's going to be announced tomorrow between the Pac-12 and ESPN. Like from a PR standpoint, you're going to let this kind of settle. You're going to let it. You're going to let it uh, kind of get down the road a little bit, let the uh, let the dust settle, and then maybe announce your media deal. If, in fact, ESPN is part of the next round of media deals with the Pac-12 within the next week or two. But today, obviously, was not going to be the day to do it. Yeah, and Ross Dellinger, he had a tweet out early today. He said, uh, at a board meeting, the Pac-12 presented presidents with an update on what's determined to be a quote-unquote accelerated progress on a TV deal. So whatever that means, Judah. Okay. An accelerated progress. We've uh, heard can you read that again? Who, who who brought it? Ross Dellinger. So it was at a board meeting today. Pac-12 presented presidents with an update on what's termed "quote unquote" accelerated progress on a TV deal. Sources tell Sports Illustrated only a general framework was revealed with the significant linear concepts and more substantive framework expected by FB Media Day. I wonder if that's partly because of the San Diego State news as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think and Dellinger, Dellinger says that. He says it puts San Diego State in a bind. The Aztecs must give the Mountain West formal notice of withdrawal by today, and they did rescind that. They took away their request of withdrawal from the Mountain West of San Diego State. A lot of double negatives up there. Yeah. San Diego State <laughs> will be in the Mountain West next season. They have Ugh. told them they plan on staying in the Mountain West, not going to the Pac-12. Pac-12 hopefully accelerating to progress to a TV deal. I it all goes back to the Pac-12 media deal, Judah. I just, I don't know. I don't see it, man. I don't like what Kalinovkov has done. The Big 12 seems to be ahead of them, and I hate it because I love the Pac-12. But man, it, all this stuff seems to say, where's the Pac-12 going to go? At the very least, I mean, we've said this before, but we should have news by media day. <laughs> it's Friday, July 21st in Vegas. We'll be live. Kanzana will be live broadcasting from there, and you would think we would have a media deal done by then. Can you imagine them not? If having they one? don't. Oh, my Lord. I mean, uh, I will be so upset. I, I will quit being a Pac-12 fan. I might retire just from life. I mean, that, they, they, there's no way that they can go into the Pac-12 media day Ugh. and say, we don't have a media deal. Like, that just it, just, it cannot happen. And it, it may happen. It may happen because the Pac-12 has been so late on all this stuff. But, man, San Diego State looked like they're not going to be part of the Pac-12 maybe until 2025 at the earliest oh, Pac-12. They're falling behind ESPN laying off people. Do they have any money to give the Pac-12? I don't know. They're going to be playing games on Ion. They're going to be playing games on Twitch. Get your Twitch subscriptions up, people. Pac-12 on Twitch, live from Corvallis.
All right, well, we've got back. Uh, take a break. We're going to finish out the program here on a Friday in the happy hour. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano on the ball. Face. Ball, face, true. Stephen Vaughn in for John Canzano. Judah Newby with me as well. Catch me at Stephen underscore VON on Twitter. Catch Judah at Judah Newby as well. If you want to talk to us over the weekend, talk about this free agency in the NBA, which has been so crazy. But another one of the Blazers. That's the unfortunate part. Blazers haven't made a lot of moves. They did resign Jeremy Grant five years, $160 million. Uh, but there's been a few moves that the Blazers, you know, potential Blazers that just didn't happen. Draymond Green, there was a thought. Was he at El Gaucho to be recruited by the Blazers? Was Dave recruiting him? Well, it didn't happen. He resigns with the Warriors four years, $100 million. George Niang, he was another guy that has been rumored with the Blazers. He has signed elsewhere. James Harden, though, he opts into his contract. He's with Philadelphia. He then requests a trade. The landing spot for him was thought to be Houston, but now not anymore as Fred Van Vliet of the Raptors has signed a three-year $130 million deal with the Houston Rockets. Van Vliet, 29 years old, was an all-star two seasons ago. Last year, averaged 19.7 assists. So Mime Udoka gets his point guard in Houston. Looks like James Harden will not be going back to Houston probably going to L.A., the Clippers, I would imagine, not the Lakers. Um, but looks like Fred Van Vliet to Houston. James Harden still on the move somewhere else. We don't know yet. Other Blazer stuff, Drew Eubanks, he signs a two-year deal with a player option as the second year with the Phoenix Suns. The Suns have gone out and they've added a lot of veteran players for one-year, two, one two-year deals. Not a lot of money, Drew Eubanks. One of those guys... He'll be a guy that uh, may be in the rotation for the Phoenix Suns. I think it's, uh, it's a good spot for Drew Eubanks to play on a really good team that has a chance to win an NBA title. Now that Bradley Beal is down in Phoenix to go along with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. So Drew Eubanks, he is out, not with Portland. Leaves Portland without a backup center. Trenton Watford, he was waived today by the Portland Trailblazers. Now he's done with his second season average, just over seven points this last year. Showed a little bit of things. You know, showed that he belongs in the NBA. I don't know at what what level he belongs in the NBA, but can he be a role player on a really good team? Remains to be seen. I think he's more on the uh, the end of the bench type level, but he he's proven that he has a spot in the NBA. So I think he will get gathered up by somebody willing to give Trent Watford a deal. But he was outright way outright waived by the Portland Trailblazers today. I think it's more because they think they can just upgrade that spot rather than save a little money. Uh, they don't necessarily need the roster spot as well. Just kind of a head scratchy move, but doesn't doesn't mean a lot as I think Trent Watford wasn't a part of the future anyways. And then Cam Reddish just uh, signed with the LA Lakers on a two year deal. He of course was traded in the Josh Hart trade during the season at the trade deadline with the Blazers. Uh, he he was fine with the Portland Trail Blazers. I don't think it's a big move by the LA Lakers. Um, you know, with the Portland Trail Blazers last season, Cam Reddish played twenty games. Averaged 11 points, three rebounds a night, two assists, shot 44% from the field, 32% from three. Uh, that goes along with his career numbers as well. I think L.A. is one of those guys because Cam Reddish was one of the top high school players in all of basketball when he went to Duke. He was the 10th pick in the draft. There's always that that quote-unquote potential that he has, the untapped potential. But it's one of those players where you're excited. The fan base is excited when they bring him in and they see him play. They're like, okay, I understand why he's been on five teams in five seasons. So Cam Reddish going to the Lakers, not a big loss was expected that he wasn't coming back to Portland as they kind of, they, they sent the qualifying offer to Matisse Thibel. He was the guy that they chose over Cam Reddish, but 
Uh, Judah, any news with the Blazers that has uh, surprised you? Any news in free agency that has surprised you so far? Or is this kind of going how you think it, thought it would go going into it? Well, uh, you know, because I was uh, a little bit hopeful at some Draymond magic. That came down. You know what's interesting to me is like free agency began at 3 o'clock West Coast this afternoon. And these guys, Shams, Woj, everybody, they're so dialed in. But very few got reported before 3. I really felt like, you know, Shams and Woj and whoever else would have been breaking this news as soon as they got it. It clearly seemed to me like they got news ahead of time and were just sitting on it until it became official official. I don't know why, though, in this cutthroat world of, you know, breaking news reporting, why you have to hold it until the uh, the, the actual NBA, deadline. But I would guess the NBA probably told them to. Like, hey, probably. Let, let's hold on to this and keep your relationships fine with us. We're fine with what you do. Just let's hold off to three and act like we do this in a, uh, you know, in a in an ethical way that teams aren't just reaching out to players before, but everyone knows that teams are reaching out before three o'clock. And uh, yeah, so I think that's yeah. why, but uh, I mean, and then Jeremy Grant coming back is cool. You know, it's just 20 point a game last year, but at the same time, it's hard to take away anything serious from last year because it was a non-serious year, yeah, no. <laughs> right? It, it finished as a non-serious year. It began with, as a year with serious expectations and, uh, what, for the first month or so, they were in first place in the West, right? Like, I was, I was starting to drink the Kool-Aid. I was trying to convince you guys that Portland was going to be good this year. First place in the Western Conference, and by the end of it, you're tanking. Like, that, that's such a disappointing outcome. But Jeremy is a guy I think you needed to bring back, that Dame wanted to have back. And for that reason, he had a little bit of leverage and probably got a little bit more than he might otherwise have gotten on the open market. Yeah, I feel good as being, you know, me and John were, John was even less hyped about the Blazers than I was. I was pretty low on the Blazers even after their start. I feel pretty good about that take yeah. that I had. I had them missing the playoffs at the start of the year. I feel like I was one of a few people that did that, but uh, you know, yeah, the Trailblazers and Jeremy Grant, look, I, Jeremy Grant, good player, 20 points a game, career high in three-point percentage, over 40% this year, which is great as a 6'8", 6'9", guy to be able to stretch the floor like that is awesome, but the pro there are some problems with Jeremy Grant, and I think to give him $32 million a season for five years at his age, 29 years old, like you're at the back end of your prime. Like I know Dame and just had the best season of his career statistic-wise, but the team also wasn't very good, so he didn't necessarily have to win games. It was like, hey, Dame, how many points can you score? And he's just such a good player, such a good scorer, he could do that. So I could argue that it wasn't his best statistical season of his career. I wouldn't. I would say he's probably his best, but I don't know how much longer he has. Jeremy Grant, when you're 29 years old and your game is built off athleticism, I think it's tough to say in five years that he's going to be worth that type of money. Uh, also, Jeremy Grant, you know, for all the stuff he did well, you know, shot the ball really well. He wasn't a great finisher inside Judah. First half of the season before the All-Star break, 62% on layups and dunks. Yeah. After the All-Star break, 49%. I, I, is that just the fact that, okay, Portland was injured and they're trying to tank and he was forcing some more things than he had to be? Or is it the fact that maybe he just had a great start of the season and then fell off and he was playing for that contract, playing for that five-year deal that he wanted to get with the Blazers? I don't know. I, I think it's a little of both, but I think Jeremy Grant is kind of what he is. What you got last season, 20 points, four rebounds on that shooting, that's about the best you're going to get from Jeremy Grant. Now, very good, but when he's your third best player, are you really going to be a contending team? Or are you going to be a team that Dame says he just wants to have a chance is that how good it is? I don't know. I just don't. I don't think Jeremy Grant is that type of player. That if he's your third best player, you're like. Is he oh. the third best player behind what? And Fernie currently, or he's probably their second best. That's player. That's what I'm thinking. And I that, think he and is that, their and that's the real player. problem. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like they're going to go out and get somebody else. So really? I just don't the, know. 
what that looks like. Yeah, that's. That, I just think that you know, Jeremy Grant. It's a good play. He's a good player, and I think he will have some trade value as well. So, like, if the Blazers do end up wanting to trade him, I think that's fine. They can get something for him. But thirty-two year, thirty-two million for a guy who's twenty-nine years old. That contract's not going to look great by the end of it. Dame, and you're doing it because of Dame, right? And that, and I think that's what the takeaway is today is the free agency. Even though the Blazers haven't made any other moves, they still are somewhat committed to Damian Lillard. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't bring back his buddy and Jeremy Grant. It was very clear Dame wanted Jeremy Grant for years. It was the worst kept secret in the NBA. We all knew it. We they all were knew. laughing, you know, when he was still with Detroit. They were seen laughing yeah. and photos were taking it like, hey, you know, we, we laughing with it. each other. We all knew we he all was knew coming he was to coming. Portland. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. So I give Joe Cronin credit for bringing him in. But at the same time, we all knew it was going to happen. So they're doing it for Dame. Jeremy Grant held the leverage. Good for Jeremy Grant to get $32 million a year. I just think it's a little expensive for my taste. Yeah, probably. I do wonder when the new media deal kicks in, whenever that is, does this number start to look a little less bad? over time because it's a five-year deal, yeah. you know, and if at any point in that five-year deal, we get the new media deal cap goes up, et cetera, that's does, good, that's a good point. does 32 a year look a little more palatable than it does right now? I don't know. We'll see. But at the same time, you know, we got guys like Jamal Murray making less than that. So time to play. play it's, a good like point. It. it's a good point. But remember the last time when this happened, like the, the, Blazers, 2016. Yeah, the Blazers went out and got Alan Crabb for $80 million. Guess what? That contract oh, looked terrible at the end. Al Farouk Amin, same thing. Like, there's a potential. The yeah, player still has to be good. There's for it potential to be a that it contract. could be a steal by the end of it, but there's also potential it could still be really bad. So that that's my fear about it is Jeremy Grant. Like, what's the direction of this team? We still don't know. Judah, if you have to guess, we got a minute left. Are the Blazers going to make any big time moves over the weekend? Like, I are, just, we, are we going to come back on Monday and say, "Oh, the Blazers made a move. We know a direction they're going." Yeah, I think uh, potentially, and it's the Inferty Nurk trade, but it's not via free agency. It's got to be some type of trade with some type of weird matching salaries to to get a player that would be your second best player. You know, it's flipping Anthony and Nurk, Anthony or Nurk or some combination of both. Hopefully both. And I'll say, hey, by the time Kazano cracks the Mac Monday, let's hope that something like that happens. And John will be back on Monday, as always, on the Bald Face Truth. I want to thank John Kanzano, first of all, for letting me fill in for him as he's taking the day off. I want to thank Judah Newby for his help. Always, he's the man. I want to thank all of you for listening to the Bald Face Truth when I'm filling in. It's a fun time. I have a good time. You have a good time. It's just a good time had by all. That's going to wrap it up for the show today. Thanks for listening. This is the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.